0: Puns and Machine Guns, the podcast where we watch and discuss every Arnold Schwarzenegger movie one at a time and maybe the occasional surprise as well. I'm Kevin Keen.
1: I'm Mike Olson, and today we'll be doing Last Action Hero, released by Columbia Pictures on June 18th, 1993, starring, not surprisingly, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Austin O'Brien, Charles Dance, Tom Noonan, Anthony Quinn, F. Murray Abraham, <laughs> Professor Taru Tanaka, and Art Carney in his final performance. It was written by Shane Black and David are not from a story by Zach Penn, and it was directed by John McTiernan.
0: Released June 18th, one week after Jurassic Park.
1: Yes, and that, uh, that certainly is interesting with what's going on somewhat today in terms of Jurassic World reestablishing uh, the Jurassic franchise, but also um, it's interesting for, for me that I think that some of the lack of success for Last Action Hero, and, and you and I both think it's an, an undiscovered and unappreciated action movie. I yes. think a lot of its perceived flop and the is on the more on the business side than the movie itself and, and we'll probably get into that. And I'm sure that Jurassic Park played a large part in that fact it explains. Uh,
0: it explains a lot for sure. Uh, did did uh, Jurassic world and Terminator Genesis come out around the same time i wonder that, if
1: they, ironically enough they did Jurassic world had already been out for a few weeks it wasn 't one, but yeah, I, I, it only
0: yeah, it only just occurred to me
1: yes uh, it that had not that 's somewhere in my notes here, but it 's okay. somewhat ironic, although i wouldn 't say that Terminator Genesis while it was a lot of fun and will eventually get to it. Uh, I would not say that it 's going to be an undiscovered gem and will look better over time, so the parallel may not be perfect, but there there certainly is in terms of. Universal Pictures uh, and Arnold release dates, they seem to uh, coincide uh, pretty well. Speaking of unappreciated gems, I want to, you know,
0: apology is maybe too strong a word, but I, I need to say, like, if you listened to the last episode, I was being a little ambivalent, and I was even like poking fun at you a little bit for kind of overplaying, a little you were kind of playing yep. it up, and I was wrong. This movie is awesome. <laughs> like, I think what happened the last time I watched it, it was four or five months ago i went, like, when I first bought the Blu-ray, And I was watching it. I was working from home, and I was just watching it just to have something on in the background. And so because I was working, I would only poke my head up when... Something interesting. Right, one of the parts I was like, oh, i got to watch this part. i got to watch, you know, Leo the Fart's funeral. (laughs) Uh, And so I think the last episode I said something like the real-world parts are the weakest parts. And you know what? I I actually, this time watching it, and this is the first time I really gave it my full attention in a couple of years, and those parts are fine. Like, this is a good movie.
1: Yeah, I mean... I still agree that they are the weakest parts, and but, well, with one particular exception, which is towards the beginning of the movie, which the real-world scenes in the first five to ten minutes completely make it worthwhile. Yeah, there there were some parts that I, I don't love and are the weakest parts, but it doesn't drain or take away from, I guess, the, the rest of the movie.
0: Yeah, it has its lulls. It has its problems. You know, there are a few things. I think in certain spots, Last Section Hero doesn't know what kind of a movie it wants to be. Yep. But... Overall, this is a very underappreciated under movie. It has a reputation that it doesn't deserve as being a dud. It was a flop, but it's not a dud. It's a good movie.
1: Yeah, and, and even within that, if you, if you go and look in you know, what it grossed, both domestically, although back in 1993, the foreign box office didn't matter nearly as much as it does today, but in terms of its success, it was just on a relative scale compared to, one, what Jurassic Park was doing, two, the expectations and the hype it was, it's a movie that if it were released today, a lot of things would have to be changed because there a lot of things in the movie that existed in 1993 that, were, that are kind of laughable today. But what I think is that the, the business side and the expectations with all of the marketing and all of the hype, people expected this to be you know the largest blockbuster of all time setting records. And it, it, it grossed and did fairly well. But based upon the hype and the expectations is what it underperformed. And then it's so, sort of something that builds upon itself, right? You've got a beloved start of the franchise in Jurassic Park that's come out just before. This is, quote-unquote, a dud compared to the expectations. And then it just kind of fades into oblivion. And it was just a perfect storm for the business side, and the, we'll call it the Hollywood side, to impact people's opinions, and, and I, won't say, I, you know, I won't say that this is the first time that the business side ever impacted people's opinions of a movie, because I'm sure many times before it had, but this is certainly one kind of in my formative years of watching movies that I, I can distinctly remember. I remember not really wanting to see this movie in theaters because everybody was talking about, oh, you know, it's, it, it's not good, but nobody could actually tell me that had seen the movie That it wasn't good. It was just the idea or the hype it hadn't lived
0: up to. Speaking of hype, uh, this was in my IMDb trivia to come later, but this was the first, apparently, according to IMDb, I mean, consider the source, but
1: apparently this was the first movie to be advertised in space. I I saw that as well, and that just... It's astonishing, astonishing to me yeah. what the what the point of it was other than for we've done this.
0: Yes, yeah, just just to get the Moon Man market. Yes, <laughs>
1: apparently so.
0: Anyway, so let's get into the movie. It's uh, Last Action Hero, again, like you said, directed by John McTiernan. Yes. He's following up. Uh, he did Die Hard, and then what did he do between? I knew this before, and now I forgot. But uh, uh, he did I, something in between that was kind of a failure, and then this kind of cemented the death of his career as the failure of Last Action Hero.
1: Yes, well, it, you know, up until that time... That, that's what I think is somewhat interesting, too, before we specifically get into the movie. But you had Shane Black, you know, kind of the and, and still a, a writer, an action writer that I really like. And I, I think you really do on some of, you know, his even more recent stuff. Uh, yeah, Iron absolutely. Man 3, uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. So you I mean, in terms of the hype or excitement, if this was a movie that was coming out, you know, today and I you had the writing equivalent, action equivalent of the, maybe the biggest writer, action writer. Um, Making the edits I know it's a a story By Zach Penn Who I think has complained uh, Or I read it Complained that it Completely Took upon something That he didn't intend But you then add in At the time One of the biggest If not the biggest Action director With you know Not that far Far from Die Hard And some other successes And at the time The biggest action star In all of Hollywood it's like a dream team. And so, you know, obviously times have changed and maybe tastes have changed, but if you put yourself back in 1993, this is, this is as good of a combination as you're going to get from writing to directing to acting, and I say that somewhat loosely, uh, particularly where this one is almost Arnold trying not to be Arnold, but then in other scenes trying to be Arnold, which is kind of funny in itself. No, I think he gives a good performance
0: in this. Yeah. You, and, you and I, I think, agree that he's an underrated actor yeah. in general, but yeah, this is, like, this is not like a great performance or anything, but he's... he's You know, he's doing his job. Yes. So, anyway, back to John McTiernan. I forgot, first of all, I forgot uh, Hunt for Rod October, which was after Die Hard. But then, yeah, after that, he made Flight of the Intruder, which was a failure, and then Medicine Man, which is the one I was thinking of. Yes. And then this. So, yeah, that's a a rough stretch for him after two, you know, a bunch of big hits, Predator, and then uh, Die Hard, and then Hunt for October. Right. The guy's flying high, and then, boy, after that, his career really fell apart.
1: Yeah, uh, but in particular, those three, you, you, you tick off three of those, and those are three of the biggest of you know the mid to mid '80s, all the way up until uh, Red October is probably 1990, so late '80s, early yeah. '90s. I mean, that's that's a pretty good run. Um, and then two kind of shaky ones, and then this one, which you and I think is underappreciated, but at that point you have cemented yourself that your 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 career is on the on the wrong side. Regardless of, of what the, we think of,
0: of yeah, Regardless of what we think of Last Action Hero, it's not going to help your career if you directed it.
1: No. <laughs> no, That's for sure.
0: Okay, so yeah, the movie starts, weirdly, with no... Not only does it not have any opening credits, it has no opening title,
1: it doesn't even have the Columbia logo, it just starts. It does, and <laughs> I, I got <laughs> that, that was one of the most interesting things, is not only does it just start, but it starts with an ending. I mean, it's, I think it's yeah, well, somewhat we, genius, I mean, well, we'll get there, but you have no credits, it's a cold open in a, a movie within a movie. But it's great that it's effectively the end of the movie. Yeah,
0: which we don't know at the time. When we're, f- right. when we're first watching, you don't know it's the ending. Of it. And I guess that's why they did that, did it that way is because they didn't want... I guess it would have been weird to have, like, the the Columbia logo and then here's an ending of some other movie. Right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense, but it's still strange, like, the fact that they got away with that. Like, the Columbia just let them, like, just start the movie. We don't, we don't need our logo. That'll yeah, we don't, need, happened today. we
1: don't need the credit, which is interesting, too, because, I, I, you know, subsequently I've read in sort of the quote-unquote business of Hollywood... It was a, a pretty big deal. I remember when the... I, I'm pretty sure it's the first Matrix came out and they wanted to change the Warner Brothers logo and have it kind of in the green you know, scheme of the Matrix. That was a big deal. Yeah, uh, yeah. Warner Brothers didn't want to do that. Uh, eventually, they, you know, they, the, the creative convinced them to do it. But I find it interesting. That was 1999. But six years earlier, yeah, you open a movie and you've given no credit to not only just any of the actors yet, more importantly, the company that financed, as, as we've discussed, financed a lot of money for the making of as well as the, the advertising budget. And you don't know it until you get – I didn't time it. But it's got to be probably at least between five and ten minutes of screen time before you eventually get to any opening credits, if you will.
0: Yeah, but they're not even the opening credits to this <laughs> movie. They're opening credits to a different movie, yes. a fictional movie. Yes. But, yeah, you do get the Columbia logo there at least. Yes. So that's probably what the, the negotiation was. It's just like, look, it's in the movie. Just, just much five or later. ten minutes later, and it's, it's more than five or ten minutes. I think it's okay. like twenty or something. Um, so yeah, and also it starts with a weird, like skewed frame. You know, you know what I am talking yep. about? Like, the, I guess to indicate it's a mo- we're watching a movie inside a movie, but it, it it's really weird the way that starts. It's just like a skew, and then it goes warm and like hits you in the face. Yep. So we're outside an elementary school. There is like a million cops. There is a helicopter flying around, and then the first line of dialogue just so you just to let you know that it's a Shane Black written script. Is uh, the chief of police saying is one hell of a way to spend Christmas? Yes, uh, because so y- Shane Black it can't help himself.
1: <laughs> and so, what, what's also interesting is it's an elementary school, but it's a—I don't know if high-rise, um, especially here since we're in yeah. Chicago. It's not a high-rise, but it's a mid-rise. I mean, it's a tall building, right? It's not a, a two-story building. It's—it's it, it's an office building. I mean, that—that's what it is. Yeah,
0: I thought that was weird too. And the the, the thing I noticed this time is. It looks like, because I think in certain big cities, like I think probably in New York and really, like, maybe it's also true in Chicago, but have, like, four or five story elementary schools.
1: Yeah, like, I know the Latin schools in Chicago, they have multiple buildings, but they are, you know, multiple stories. But but Jack Slater's an L.A. cop, isn't he? Yes. So is that supposed to be L.A.? Is that supposed to be New York? L.A.
0: I don't think would have a school like that.
1: It it certainly seems uh, out of place, but then again... The scene wouldn't work if it if it wasn't on a tall building, so that's that's where uh, that's That's, where they decided to go.
0: That's true because the 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 villain, the unseen villain, has to throw a cop's body off the roof, which is our first body count.
1: (laughs) There you go. I've got my little ding for. I'm I'm glad you have it, and I'm glad you've invested the time, as you said (laughs) you would, in counting that and the bad puns, which is probably the most important on this podcast.
0: Uh, Yes, there are much fewer puns. There are a lot of you wouldn't think because this was designed to be more kid-friendly, and you wouldn't think there would be that high of a body count. It's pretty high. I was kind of surprised. I was going through, like,
1: wow, this, it's, it's in the dozens. It doesn't surprise me, and I'm, I'll be interested to know what the count is on the bad puns. No matter what the count is, it has maybe one of the greatest ones that Arnold's had of, of all time. i are be they're, very excited to get to that one. They're
0: pretty good. Well, let's get to the first one right now, because so Arnold shows up and has one of the best introductions for any, car- I mean, I love this introduction.
1: Yeah, the, the, the opening to this movie is absolutely fantastic. Um, and again, the fact that it's an ending, maybe that's the reason it's so great, because it's an ending to a movie, which is a great, you know, it would be a solid ending. But if you think about it, it, it doesn't make sense because this is the ending to Jack Slater 3 we're seeing. Why is he getting this big introduction Like, is this a reintroduction? That that, that is very interesting. He should, at this point, if it's the end of the movie, he should be very well established. Right.
0: This is clearly his first shot in the movie, but in Jack Jack Slater 3... This is the end of the movie. Like, right he should have been in there for like two hours. This shot makes no sense if you think I, I want to do a lot of speculation about the Jack Slater series in this podcast because
1: and, and by the way i'm one who is advocate if anyone in Hollywood happens to listen to this. If you really want to reboot or make something i'm willing to buy tickets to the Jack slater movies, so please if you're looking to uh write and um Go go find in the archives something to make. Make the Jack Slater movies. Yeah. I, I okay. for one will be signing up to go see them. That part made it into Episode Zero. So now this is your second place. Yes, gonna, Can you see how much I desperately want the Slater movie? <laughs> you should just do that in
0: every episode, regardless of. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter the movie. I we're just talking about it. twins. Please make <laughs> the last section. Please here. make Jack Slater one. <laughs> or yeah, Jack Slater. Or okay. the very first Jack Slater. So let's let's play this clip of his introduction and just kind of describe it, and then we'll play, we'll go through the pun. We'll go all the way up to, up to the pun because walking over police cars. On like top a, of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm desp- on top of them, stepping over the lights with his snake boots. And the best part is his boots get it close up first, and then his belt, and then his face. And he's smoking a cigar. Yep. And, and I love this score by Michael Keane, especially this time watching it, because you know, we're using some of his music for the introduction to this podcast. So. you hear me? Michael Damon's score the is
2: really good, real
0: okay,
2: God damn it, Jack, I'm talking to you! The last time you yeah. pulled this job, jittybuck, popcorn, and decal shit, people lost body parts!
0: I wonder, what, I wonder what that story is. The, was that the previous movie? Someone lost body parts, or is it, or is it earlier in the movie? Right, exactly.
2: Well, there's Tina Turner as the mayor. Later, here's what
0: The governor gets you. Call me. People love to read into that. Okay, and here comes. Watch the, the the score stops for this point. The score is, it, it gets out of its way. Hey,
2: you want to be a farmer? Here's a couple of acres.
0: Let me pick some of the nuts.
1: He catches his walkie-talkie. Baker, next one I'll hurt. It is absolutely fantastic. The, not, not just the pun, but the fact that the kick launches the SWAT guy up into the air. I and mean, then just casually catches the walkie-talkie. Yes. Next one I'll hurt. Um, and as you said, people read into it. it. I do I do have it in my notes. I do think it is fantastic just to have the line. And again, this is 1993. But to have the line in this movie, when the governor gets here, call me. I, if, if you had written that, there's no way anybody would believe, you know, if, if this didn't exist in... If it was in the old days and you didn't have a recordable format and you couldn't go and pull up, you know, the old archives, nobody would believe that he said that in a movie. It's just... I mean, it's just a coincidence. I, it, you know, a cop would probably... To a certain extent, a
0: cop does report all the way
1: up to the governor in, a, in one sense or another. Like, you know... It is true, but it just seems so perfect to me that they wrote into the script in 1993 that the mayor, Tina Turner... Uh, has the lieutenant governor there, okay? But they, she couldn't get all the way up to the governor. It's just perfect that it isn't, you know, some other bureaucrat, but he winds up being able to have the line of when the governor gets here, call me. And I like the impression, the implication that she brought the lieutenant
0: governor in here just to just stop Jack Slayer. Jack Slater, exactly. There's
1: a crisis happening, but
0: no, it's like, you need to stop Jack Slayer. Never mind the killer on the roof.
1: Yes, that you have <laughs> countless numbers of police cars that outnumber those that are out there for Die Hard, right? Yeah. Um, you've got... A, a crisis with an elementary school, no less, but well, you need to stop Jack Slater.
0: That's the part of this movie that maybe doesn't work, uh, is you go from that scene, which is really silly, and in a fun way. like I love yeah. that introduction. Up to a scene on the roof, which is like a little too real <laughs> and, and too dark, especially because later in the movie we find out how that situation plays out. We don't see it here because the movie yeah. goes out of focus. But later in the movie we see that... This movie apparently ends with Jack Slater's son being just killed. Right, and no, it's it, the
1: end of the movie. It's a, it's a very you know serious and when you really think about it, like today, I'm sure all of this stuff would be rewritten. I mean, you know, uh, a kind of a kidnapping hostage situation in elementary school hits a you know way too close to home of you know things that have happened in real. Well, there's that for sure. Yeah, but uh, uh, but to your point is that yes, this is kind of this opening scene is parody, you know, kind of fun, and then it gets kind of somber fast. You don't know it yet, but in reality, it's the ending to Jack Slater Three is a pretty down ending. Actually, when you think about it, for an action movie, it's a really down ending. If that really is the last frame of the movie, And, and again, it's stuff like this
0: where, as a parody or as a satire of action movies. It's missing the mark because, like, what, what, what action movie ends that way? Like, I mean, the only thing I could even remotely think of is Bond, On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Not to spoil the ending of that, but it, that is has a very down ending. Yes, but that's not the kind of movie that
1: this is supposedly Supposed satirizing. To be. No, I mean, uh, the Lethal Weapons don't end that way, right? Die Hard doesn't end that yeah. way. Yeah, so it's,
0: like, what is, it's a strange decision for to be like, and you know, there's, they kind of negotiate around it. You don't see it for a while, and you don't... But when you really put the pieces together, it's like, what a weird... Jack Slater 3 is a strange movie. Yeah, no. (laughs) In a Um, lot of ways. It's clear. But
1: obviously, it must have been successful enough in this fake world, and popular enough that it spawned Jack Slater 4. Well, here's... here's, I want to speculate.
0: I get the impression, or at least I'm going to speculate, that Jack Slater 4 is the kid-friendly, like... Last
1: action hero, if you will.
0: Right, exactly. Because I think... If I had to guess, Jack Slater one through three were all really gritty, dark like cop movies, and but they got progressively more crazy. I mean, basically like the lethal wep- the progression of the lethal weapon series from a kind of a dark and gritty series to a cartoon. Yep. And I, I get the impression that that's what they're trying to portray here. Is yeah, Jack Slater four is the silly one. They just stopped, especially when you consider <laughs> this movie ends with his son being killed, and then the the We'll get to. I'll, I'll save it until we get there. But uh, the way Jack Slater four begins is very incongruous. Yes, with the way this ends. Absolutely. <laughs> so anyway, so yes, he goes up on the roof. Uh, he confronts the Ripper, played by Tom Noonan. Tom Noonan, who's playing a similar role. Have you ever seen Manhunter? Yes. Okay. Yeah. He's Absolutely. Playing a similar role of the Manhunter. Where he's kind of obviously much more like comic booky version of that character. But I, I now now that I'm a little older and I've seen Manhunter, I understand. When
1: like later in the movie, when his agent shows up, it's like
0: you want to play serial killers your whole career. It's like yes. oh, I get that joke now because I've seen Manhunter.
1: Yeah, and and Tom Noon has been in a few other things I've seen over the years. He's, he was uh, had a recurring role in Hell on Wheels for a while. Uh, probably an underrated you know actor. Certainly a, a guy sort of like Steve Buscemi who's not getting by on his on his looks necessarily, but yeah. uh, a talented guy and doesn't have a ton of screen time in this. But what he does have is. Uh, Good enough, I guess. He has more than you'd expect because you kind of think he's just here for the beginning, and yep, he, it's kind of a surprise
0: when he shows up later. So he, he, uh, Jack goes up to the roof, and Ripper's got his his son plus a bunch of other kids hostage. Yes. Uh, so yeah, so it's a pretty cool shot where he throws the axe. That's yeah, a, that's a cool shot.
1: It is. Um, the, yeah, the Ripper. So his for if you're not watching the movie and you're just gonna have us explain it, uh, explain it for you. The Ripper, his. His, um, well, I assume his his hook, you know, uh, no no pun intended, he kind of dressed, dressed like the Gorton's Fisherman with a uh, <laughs> yes. yellow raincoat or the I-know-what-you-did-last-summer uh, killer, at least from the first one. I don't know any beyond that movie. Uh, and he wields a, a really sharp axe. So that's kind of what uh, the Ripper's MO is, and you get a little dialogue about uh, that. The Ripper should have gotten the death penalty, but Jack's illegal search made the bloody axe inadmissible. Yeah,
0: completely unnecessary backstory. Yes. Why do we need this backstory?
1: And, my, and what's really interesting about it is that you'd think that the viewer of, I'm assuming he's only in Jack Slater 3, but maybe The Ripper was in other Jack Slater movies. We don't know because we never see any of the other ones. But you'd think that the audience who's watching Jack Slater 3, they already know who The Ripper is and you get <laughs> right. all of this background in this. Granted, I understand why you're getting it as you get a little bit because you, as the viewer of Last Action Hero, haven't seen the Jack Slater movies. But it is interesting how much exposition and background on on the Ripper you, but, you get there in that scene.
0: But we, as the viewers of Last Action Hero, don't need that exposition. It's true. Why is why is that there? It doesn't. There's absolutely no reason. It you know the fact that the Ripper was released because of an illegal search or whatever, like. There's no need for that.
1: Right, because really at the point, the only thing that matters now is he's got hostages, including his son, and he has an axe. So right, whatever the history is, I guess it, you're right, it is irrelevant. Yes, I guess maybe he has something personally against Jack, and that's the reason why he's targeted his son. I mean, I guess
0: they, they were worried that first-time viewer, viewers of Last Action Hero wouldn't understand this is a movie in a movie, because you don't really know that yet. No. So maybe that's why that's It's just... So there were worried. audiences are going to be like, "Who's this? What's happening?" You know, could be. So
1: either way, I mean, it's not—it's not like it slows down the movie or it's terrible or anything. But it is somewhat interesting that you get that much, you know, background. Yeah. Because in a lot of ways, the villains in Jack Slater Four, which is the movie that Last Action Hero takes place in, you really don't get that much, which is somewhat interesting. Now, granted, you're not that far into the movie when Last Action Hero, the movie, kind of gets spliced in. But yeah. You really don't get much on on the Tortelli mob. You don't get you know much on Benedict. They're just kind of villains, that's right? True, so yeah. it's, it is kind of interesting. You know more about the Ripper than you do the villains that are in the the actual movie that's going on in Last Action Hero. If anything, it should be the reverse. We need to we need to know more about Benedict, especially. I I actually would like to. Yeah. I, I, I find him very interesting,
0: and we know nothing about him. No. So, especially because especially he's a British hitman for an Italian mob. Yes, like, how, did, how did that happen? It's extremely confusing. Yeah, that's that's an interesting story in and of itself. Uh, so, okay, so then the movie goes out of focus. Yes, and we're introduced to Danny Madigan already whining. Yeah, going focus. Yeah, yes. Uh, I mean, let's talk about this kid. But let's you get that- into Danny Madigan. This character. I don't want to criticize the actor because he's a kid actor. Yep. And I actually <clears throat> did some research into what else. We can get into that now if, if you want. But this this is just a bad character. And it's it's a, a kind of a shame because he's basically the protagonist of the movie. Everything we're getting is through his experience. And I really hate this kid. Yeah. <laughs> I, and- I really do not like Danny Madigan. And it's, it's it's the thing of this movie that is its biggest failure is... That kid is just so unlikable. And he's, he needs to be the... I mean, I don't know if you agree, but uh, you're looking at me like...
1: No, well, the, what I was going to add to it is that he's really the proxy for the audience, right? I mean, he... He needs to be. Yeah, he needs to be. And so you have to... To make it truly great, which I don't think either one of us would say it's a great movie, but it's a really good movie. Yeah. To make it truly great, that whether it's the actor or the writing for that character, you really need to have that spot on. And it, I will say, I think at times, like... His stuff works, but for the most part, I would say you're right. It it doesn't work, and I don't know if it's the actor or if it's the I material that's given.
0: I, I don't want to put the blame on the actor because I and I think the indication that this the filmmakers I don't think knew what to do with this character, and I think the proof of that is his, Danny's gross hands. You notice his gross hands? He's got like scabs and stuff all over. We can find a clip and I'll
1: show no, you. No, I actually did not notice that.
0: Like, literally, like he's just covered in like scabs, as if I guess, to indicate he's just like a rough-and-tumble kid. But that doesn't match at all what the the performance we're getting.
1: No, that's interesting. If that's the case, I didn't notice that because if that is the intention, you don't get that at all from...
0: Let me find, because I think it's most noticeable in the clip where where he's being robbed. We're kind of getting ahead of of ourselves. But, uh, uh, yeah, and I I just don't know if they didn't understand what kind of a character this was going to be or what. But, like, that tells me that it's not the kid's fault. It's not the actor's fault. It's... It's the, the construct of, or the, the, the writers. Or, and the filmmaker's just not having a real good idea of what kind of a character this is. Okay, wait, here's...
1: Yeah, there's, no, I, yeah. I, I never I, really noticed that. Yeah, no, I... And I, that's, I, that's production design or makeup, I guess, it's not... I don't, yeah, you don't think he, he got that in, in the whatever stunts he had to do on set, <laughs> no. right?
0: Well, if, if they didn't want that, makeup, they would have covered it up with makeup. So, like, that's, that's clearly intentional.
1: Yeah, and it's at no point in time in the in any of his scenes do you get much like we just said how you get so much on the ripper. You don't really get all that much on on Danny for as big of a character as he is. But more importantly, if that's something you're trying to convey outside of something other than makeup, you've at no point given any indication. What what I got from it was he mits, misses a lot of school, but it's cuz he's out Right at the movies, at the, right? Because the he he loves the movies, not because he's out causing trouble or you know is trying to reenact the warriors or something like that. <laughs> right, I mean, that, that's that, that's if he is that kid, you do not get that at all.
0: Yeah, that, that, I mean, it, I paused it at thirteen thirty nine for you listening at home. By the way, you should you should have watched the movie before listening to this because you, we don't need to describe the plot. If you haven't watched the movie, stop this and watch the movie and then come back. But yeah, thirteen thirty nine, the, the the robbers got him like pinned against the wall and like look at that, it's gross. Yes, it's disgusting. <laughs> anyway. Austin O'Brien is the actor who played Danny, and uh, I looked him up. I th- assumed this was his first movie. Turns out he was in the Lawnmower Man, which I've never, oh, I've I never seen. That. The
1: Lawnmower Man. Neither have I. I know it's it was somewhat successful, but I, I, I haven't seen it and don't know it. And yeah. I didn't know he was in it either. But he said that that predates this. So I looked him up. I was kind of curious to see if
0: he kept acting, and he did for a while. And now he's a wedding photographer in Chicago.
1: Interesting. So he's he's in the neighborhood. <laughs> he's in the neighborhood, perhaps. So, Perhaps he won't take too kindly if he happens to discover this. Yeah, that's so why I want to be nice just in case I run into him. <laughs> Fair
0: enough. I get the sense, because he's, he's our age, and I get the sense, you know, I, I, this is a little creepy. I, I looked, I found his Twitter. I'm like, let me see what this guy's up to. But uh, he never mentions that he was an actor. I get the huh. sense he's not. Yeah, he he's, just, that's it's not a part of his life. That's, yeah, that he. Well, for I was, that. I, I was going to say we should invite him on, but I don't, <laughs> I don't know if. That's I, going a little bit above and beyond. Yeah, come to my condo and we'll. we'll We'll talk about Last
1: Action Hero with you. And the makeup that was on your hands.
0: <laughs> right. Well, that I would love to ask him. Like, what's the deal with the makeup on your
1: hands? But uh, So what we've moved to in terms of the movie, yeah, we're, we're outside now of Jack Slater 3, and we're in the real world, quote-unquote, meaning, yeah. you know, real New York City in the film Last Action Hero. So the movie
0: goes out of focus. He goes up and talks to his buddy, the projectionist. Yes. What's his name? Nick. Nick, yes. So... He tells Nick the movie's out of focus. Nick goes to focus the projector, and the credits are rolling. Now I want to read the credits. <laughs> I won't read the actor the actors' name, because I assume they're fake. But here are the parts that were on Jack
1: right. Slater three credits.
0: Jack Slater three credits. It's, it's in the middle of the credits too, so we're not getting like the main cast. It starts with Scumbag number four, Scumbag number five, nice Scumbag number six, <laughs> Scumbag number six. It's on there twice. Oh. <laughs> So that must have been confusing in casting. Uh, you know. Very confusing for yeah. casting. Scumbag number seven, eight, nine. And then SWAT COP one, SWAT COP two, all the way to six. No numbers there for some reason. It makes me crazy. Like I need consistency. And then finally, Scumbag Leader and Man with Breasts. Oh, and Keith Farley as himself. <laughs> Very interesting. So I don't know what the deal is with all those. Someone had that, some fun. Yeah, I'm sure there were
1: some inside... Inside jokes there. So I just wanted to get that on record. I paused the movie and I wrote down all the credits. You, you put in some time on that. <laughs> just so we would know. I did, you know, I, in, in watching this, some of the things that I took note of, and this is a, a point to bring one of them up, I, I just made note of things that um, either don't exist or just the concept, uh, you know, would have changed. I don't think it ruins the movie, but you know, just the fact that there is a projectionist, and it's right, and it's the old old film, and right. it's not a digital projector, I you know I, I find that interesting, and that those kind of things. There's a few other things in this you know movie in particular, but but that's just one to kind of highlight for younger people. Things actually used to be on film, and there had to be people that would change them over. That would have definitely if that if Last Action Hero was
0: made today, that would definitely be a part of the story of just like oh they don't they don't need projectionists anymore. Yep. I'm you know this was too early for digital film. They couldn't quite work that in. But. and that, Actually, speaking of that, I think it's interesting that there's this whole subplot through Last Section Hero of that movie theater is going to be torn down. You uh, the,
1: you, you're getting to another business point, but go ahead.
0: The, the movie theater is going to be torn down and replaced with a Lowe's ten, yes. which is supposed
1: to be like, oh my god, ten cutting, screens, cut, ta- cutting edge ten screens. I did. <laughs> that was one of the things. It was sort of the business. I'm I, glad you noticed that too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, So it's interesting in a couple of ways for me. Is that here in Chicago and like throughout other you know urban areas that are going through a revival, the movement's the complete opposite to take old old theaters like that and change them into live venues, which is really, really interesting and a cool thing to do. So it's interesting, you know, back in the 90s in New York, it's certainly the New York portrayed there is a lot different than I think New York City is even today in terms of the crime. They play it up a little bit. But the fact that they were going to tear down this old theater to, to put up a new cutting-edge technology, you know, 10 screens. But what's interesting to me is that we're now 20, 20 years later, and really, the theaters, those 10 screens, they can't, those size theaters can't make it anymore. And those wouldn't be they're... in the city anyway for the most part. They'd be out in the suburbs. But it's ironic, right. and that's another one of those kind of business things that those actually are struggling and probably will you know, go the way of the dinosaur over time. So it's somewhat ironic that what they're allegedly tearing it down for and Nick's going to be out of a job right. for completely doesn't make any sense 20 years later. Because really, you'd be tearing down the 10, the ten screen to build something else. But more importantly, that old theater, it would have intrinsic value in itself to become some sort of other venue, probably a live venue where you would have ushers, which is kind of interesting. And it's set up
0: completely to, I mean, all you have to do is take the screen away. and It's exactly. the line, it's, still, it's, still, it's the idea that that would be, that particular theater would be turned into a, a multiplex. Doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. Also, I just want to point out, there's that subplot in the movie, and you expect at some point for the story to kind of go, oh, but we found a way to save the theater. Nope. At the end of the movie, they're still going to tear down that theater. Yes, there's no, they don't even remotely save it. It's like
1: there's nothing. You're you're left if there. Maybe it was for Last Action Hero two. I don't know.
0: Maybe maybe, it's it's set up for the long epic, you know, yeah, saga that is the Last Action Hero franchise. So yeah, so Nick invites him to this. He's going to screen Last Action Hero four. He invites him to come.
1: I guess later that that night. I think it's supposed to be, which is also something that's ironic because I don't remember – we were younger, like you said, Danny's age at that time. I don't remember midnight screenings of stuff being open where you could buy tickets. But now, I mean, that's that's the hugest thing, right? I mean, when Star Wars – the new Star Wars opens later this year, I don't know when the first screenings will be. But people try and get there at midnight for that screening all the time yeah. where this would have just been Nick – Running it to make sure that the print worked. Yeah, fine. He's, he's
0: checking the print. I'm sorry, I, I, yes. I said screening, but right, yeah. you're right. He's checking the print. He says.
1: But I found it, you know, very interesting that now that theaters have found a new avenue, a new way to make money, maybe they took a cue from Last Action Hero. I doubt that, but the screening that Nick is going to be doing is later that night to make sure that the print works. I'm assuming it's Thursday night going into Friday because movies always open on Friday. That doesn't happen any all the time anymore. Um, but so, yes, Danny's supposed to be going to the screening to make sure that all of the film stock is going to be able to run through and, and work correctly. But it was another thing in my notes here, I'm glad we got to it, that I found interesting that time, how times have changed. That people now line up and are actually waiting in line the night before midnight comes around so they can actually get into the theater to watch it with a live audience.
0: It's almost like the theater's decided, like, we're going to be showing this anyway to an empty room. Why not just charge Why people? not charge people to be in here? <laughs> right. Yeah, so so he invites him to just come to when he's checking the prints. Danny leaves and he passes a couple of posters. One which is an awesome, or like a stand-up, like a cardboard stand-up, right?
1: Yes, cardboard cutout, sure. Uh,
0: and one of them is an awesome one of Arnold holding like dynamite and like a shotgun or something. Yes, we, I kind of want to own that. And then there's another one, and it says introducing Meredith Caprice, but it's it's, uh, it's Bridget Wilson. Yes. Why is why are they not using her real name? Because this is also her first movie. They're playing up this her she's playing Bridget Wilson is playing Meredith Patrice Meredith Patrice Meredith Caprice, Caprice. who is playing uh, I forget Jack's daughter's name why is there that extra layer in there that's weird I think it's Whitney's the daughter's Wh- yes, name Whitney but Slater. what
1: I'm not sure and I didn't look up is if Bridget Wilson had any credits prior to that that's my only thought she hadn't Oh well so then, it
0: would have worked fine
1: then if Shane Black's listening that makes no sense I mean I don't I don't understand that just introducing Bridget Wilson what's, what's the difference right yeah, that doesn't make any sense. I guess
0: maybe they just didn't know who they were going to cast and they went like, oh, I'll make up a name and then no one ever changed it. Or just, Could know. be. So anyway, so he walks outside you get a, a shot of him walking through like, a bu- like past a bunch of other movie theaters that also look just
1: as run down. Run down so, and I, I think the implication is is that they're like running porn and that this would have been like nope. in the CD. It's not? I, for some reason, I thought it was. Because I wrote down the
0: names on the, the marquees. Also. Okay.
1: I'm I, Anything that shows up in text, I'm writing right, it down. All right. have that.
0: Good. So, okay, here So here are all the marquees on the street. I Want Your Blood, not a real movie, apparently, Chinatown at Midnight, Murder in Times Square, and She Played with Fire, which are all real movies. They're all, huh. like, 40s film noirs. Uh, so, yeah, these are, these are like, they're, and one of them's playing film noirs, like, very, apparently very classy theater. They, I mean, they look run down. Yeah. But it's like, why is, why is Nick's theater being singled out? I mean, granted, it looks like... Compl- I mean, it's really... It, it, it's in need of some investment. Also, you can tell
1: that it's an old theater because everyone who works there is old. Yeah. <laughs> so then... So he, Danny's late for school. Yeah. And so Nick chews him out of the building. He rushes back to school and he's, you know, mid-class. I'm guessing a few periods in, probably not first period. Mid-class, he's not noticed by the teacher. That's uh, true, yeah,
0: he's so late.
1: and He's she, so late, not noticed, she just keeps on going. She doesn't, doesn't care at all. Doesn't care, but you know what? Maybe it's a public school in New York, and maybe that is accurate. I don't know. It's probably just typical. Of uh, and he sits down in the back and uh, takes his takes his place. Yeah,
0: and so she introduces Lawrence of Olivier's Hamlet. Yes. <laughs> which we Before we get to the, the part
1: that we both really want to get
0: to, she mentions, she, I love the fact that she goes, Lawrence of, uh, wait. Sir Lawrence Olivier. Yeah, did I say Lawrence of Olivier? I'm sorry. Yeah, that was right. that was the dumb, <laughs> That was really stupid. Yeah, Lawrence Olivier. Uh, she starts in the middle of Hamlet and just shows the scene where he, he uh, stabs uh, Claudius. Cla- Claudius? No, uh, Polonius. I don't know. I, I, at one point, I was familiar with Hamlet. Claudius I, is I'm pretty the sure the that the Rick-
1: scene that's on there is where he's thinking about uh, whoever was murdering it? Claudius, but I don't think he does it. And then, yes, later he does accidentally. Stab Polonius, but Polonius is listening behind. and, and so, but, but regardless, my point is much like
0: uh, Jack Slater 3. We're just starting in the middle. The teacher's like, we don't need to watch the whole thing. We'll, we'll start We here. just need this clip. <laughs> right? It's exactly. like ESPN. I just need the highlights. <laughs> exactly. But I love the fact that she introduces Lawrence Olivier as, you might know him as Zeus, Zeus in Class of the Titans or from his Polaroid
1: commercials. I love that, too, that the fact, again, Polaroid is, is now hip again and has made its way back. And, and is a, like a viable product again, but it had disappeared for a while, so I thought it was great that the kids then, in 1993, would know Lawrence Olivier from the Polaroid commercial. I don't know how hip it was then. First of all, Clash of the Titans is from the early
0: 80s. We were Danny Madigan's age, like we've been saying. Yeah. Were you that familiar with Clash of the Titans? Like, no, before. I certainly wasn't. So no. that just shows how unhip that teacher is. She's like, here's that hip new film he was in, <laughs> 10 years old. Uh, but then I, look, I don't think Polaroid was hip back then, because okay. I looked up the ad. Is it bad? Let's watch, let's watch the ad.
2: Oh. The Age of Miracles. Pocket size, folding.
0: He just stands electronically
2: here. Controlled, motor driven, and shows you the camera. Lens reflex camera but quite simple, the I am
0: no answer to the VA. Check this out. The closer. Polaroid <laughs> SX-70. It's the, land camera. it's the least hip
1: commercial you could wow. imagine. And he takes a picture, wait, he takes a
0: picture of, like, some old, very frilly, like, chair or something. Yeah, it
1: essentially is just, like, a YouTube instructional video, but would have been run on broadcast TV. This is awesome.
0: It is. It's like, here's how you work the camera, but it's a commercial. Yes. And he points it at something. We can't see what he's pointing. Oh, it's, like a, it's this old-timey clock. The
2: impossible happens.
0: The impossible happens.
2: In minutes. You have a finished photograph, it says... I work. mean, do you
1: think based on the from- vintage of the this commercial, though, it looks like it might have been older than that, and that so maybe they actually did need to explain, like, how a Polaroid worked. Expensive. I don't think so. Experience. We uh, we might have to do a
0: little bit more... Uh, this is the only Laurence Olivier Polaroid commercial that has survived on YouTube, so... Yeah, but
1: it's not dated, so you don't know how old it is. Either way, it is, it is not, like, an awesome... I find it to be an awesome commercial because it's basically just an instructional video. Right. But um, either way, if... You're probably right that that teacher knew who, uh, who Lawrence Olivier was from that, those, but those kids, there's no way that they would have known who he was from either one of those two references. No. And I thought I had read that that... The actress who plays that teacher, I think, was married to Laurence Olivier at some point. I, I'd read, again, that's IMDb. I'm not sure how accurate that necessarily is in one of those entries, but I'm pretty sure that's what I read. That actress has a connection to Laurence Olivier. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, I just skimmed the IMDb. So, so yes, again, she, um, she introduces it midway through, just like we get Jack Slater 3.
0: That leads us into Danny's Daydream.
1: Yes, which we will lead it off, or at least I want to. I want to say that if for nothing else, this vindicates <laughs> It's amazing Everything that happens in the world Outside of the movie Jack Slater 4 Because for the next 45 seconds Or whatever it is Dan- And this also probably vindicates Danny Madigan's existence to me Because his imagination for this this clip is, is is worth it Every time I watch it It is still fantastic
0: Okay, okay so let's, let's just play the clip Because nothing no, no I can't- amount of talk can do it justice Oh, also I like the fact that Danny is impatient with this movie to get to the good stuff. And like I was watching it. Kind of feeling the same way. Just like let's just get to it. Come on.
1: Right, here we go. Black and white. Hey, Except for the flame on the lighter, of course.
2: <laughs> you killed my father.
0: Big mistake. <laughs> Throws him through a stained glass window. Yeah, awesome book. State of Denmark. And the score Hamlet is great. Is taken out, taken the, trash. out the trash. Throws the skull. It would be one of the greatest movie trailers of all time. Oh, by the way, I'm slacking. That's two, three, four.
1: Stay thy hand, fair priest.
0: That counts. Who said I'm fear? This guy's five. Shoots a guy. Shoots another guy. Six, seven. Just mowing guys down with the no machine gun going the To tell this
1: sweet prince. Good night.
2: <laughs> to be or not to be, not to be.
0: All of and Elsinore then, is destroyed. And then Danny, right? And then Danny's imagination has the worst special effects. Like, yes, that, that castle exploding
1: looks ridiculous. But uh, what I do love too, though, is then when you then so you you go through this, which. We probably should spend more time on, but just the fact Schwarzenegger can, is Hamlet is there anything no let's spend some time on is it is there man. anything greater than that but what you what you're then getting to is that from the bad special effects explosions of the entire castle Elsinore uh, you you cut to Wiley e. Coyote, which is I think kind of interesting in a lot of ways that they use that um kind of movie you know his imagination you know to him watching t v in a cartoon is. I don't even know like how many dimensions or screens that we're kind of you know working in right now that we're watching Last Action Hero. He was watching a movie within a movie, which he has then kind of spaced out, come up with his new trailer for an action movie, a version of Hamlet. Right. But then we cut to him watching a cartoon at home. It's like, how did I get here? Right, it's like Wile E. Coyote or something. Yes, that, that's exactly what it is. It's Wile yeah, E. Coyote, Coyote. And I think in some ways why they chose this and did this is because then once you get into Jack Slater 4, everything is an Acme product, and I think maybe they wanted to kind of have that tied together somehow since everything that Wiley um, always purchased to try and catch the Roadrunner was an Acme product. Is there an Acme
0: product? I, I didn't notice that. Oh,
1: yeah, look at it. I'll try and point them out. Maybe I should have had a bell to ring every time there was an Acme product in <laughs> Last Action, or not, excuse me, in Jack Slater 4. I, well, but, there's, there's a cartoon cat in it also. Uh, so. Yes, but there, there, there are many Acme products. Either way... I would love to hear your, you know, your thoughts on on. I'll call it Danny's movie trailer, which I think it would be one of the greatest movie trailers of all time. Well, the one thing
0: I, I think Danny is apparently more familiar with Hamlet than we are, because that's for for a kid his age, that's a remarkable familiarity with Hamlet, considering he's never in class and all that. But he's like still like. Stay thy hand, fair prince. Oh, like, yeah. that's a very he, specific he, reference. He has a
1: very specific line from Polonius, and, and he, he's he even referencing it. which. That's the reason why I'm. I'm going to look it up when we're done with this. I'm pretty sure that it's Claudius that Olivier is trying to kill and because the, then you cut to Claudius being thrown out. But even more importantly, Polonius, I believe, is accidentally stabbed because he's listening and spying behind that that like cloak. Yeah, and, and that and Hamlet, Hamlet, I don't Hamlet think intended to kill polonius which is then funny because in danny's version he he cuts it down <laughs> stay the hand fair prince and then he not only stabs him but th- or no he pulls out a machine gun and starts mowing people yeah, down who says unfair but but you're right because he's got a reference to um hamlet sitting with the skull of york he and using it, york at, he, at, at <laughs> he throws Yorick's skull to knock out a guy he has actually a very good understanding or knowledge of a lot of the key aspects of hamlet it, that he's able to wrap up or sum up in 45 seconds. So maybe
0: Danny is just like one of these kids who doesn't have to try hard. So he just gets by like, he's, you know, he doesn't have to study. He's just really smart and can he just like. just naturally la- comes to him. Lazy his way through, through yes. school. Okay, so our body count is now up to eight just so in case you're keeping track. Anyway, so yeah, so we get a little bit of his home life. We meet uh, his, his mother. Mom. Yep. Played by Mercedes Rule. Basically playing the exact same character she played in Big. Yep. I'm the mom in this movie. Hello. Like that's
1: really all she does. That's pretty much all she does, and you also, just like in Big, in Big, I think, I think he has a dad. Um, no, I don't think so. I, I, think- can't, I can't remember now, but either way, whether he does or he doesn't in Big, she plays the mom, and there's, there's no dad figure that you ever see. Right. This, you have backstory and explanation a little bit, but in Big, you don't, but yes, yeah, she basically plays the exact same, same role.
0: Yeah, I don't remember if she doesn't, if there's yeah. an explanation in big. But either way, yeah. It's,
1: it's, Unfortunately for her, it, it is kind of a thankless role, and they needed kind of I well, I don't know if wet blanket is the right, <laughs> but it's kind of like the...
0: But she's not, though. She's a very understanding. She covers for him, his absence at school.
1: That, that is true, which as a, a parent, I'm not sure I would uh, do that And if she would have her charter membership of the PTA revoked if caught.
0: Yes: Her charter membership thank you for saying, reminding me, because charter membership of the PTA I looked it up. PTA was founded in 1890, something. A charter member of the
1: PTA. I think what she probably meant was that the p- chapter or Yeah, something. that chapter or she's, you, know, uh, a long-standing, you know, upstanding member of the PTA, whatever. Right.
0: Uh, so anyway, so yeah, he, he, his mom goes to work, and this is where he gets robbed. Yes, There's really nothing interesting about this. Yeah, other I think, than the fact that the robber has an Alfred E Newman pin. Uh, I didn't notice that. And then it
1: also establishes... I'm not sure. I've never tested the distance for Danny's arms for him to go fish and get that key out. Uh, It seems like it's too far, but I think that it almost feels like that scene, you need to have it be quote-unquote real, right? Because it doesn't make sense when you see the guy... He. To me, that robber, he's just walking up and down Danny's hallway waiting for like somebody to open the door. It, right. it doesn't make sense, but it's almost like Danny needs that key because it comes up later in the movie effectively and is used. But other than that... Oh, that's why that scene's there. Yes. I never put that two and two together. I think it is, but if so, it's a lot. I think it's dual Wait. purpose because Danny has the key because he winds up later he with... He
0: unlocks the, the handcuffs. The handcuffs, right. Is that
1: the key? He has I, the, this I, key? I've that's the leap and assumption I made is that he still had the key from this in his pocket when he goes into the movie. Oh. I never made that connection. So wait, a real key unlocks a fictional I, there's many there's many reasons it doesn't make sense to me, like how well, whatever. <laughs> I, well, I, mean, I don't I don't the know. The Terminator if what doesn't make sense to me is in the Terminator universe you got to go through the machine with no clothes and naked to be able to go through, but somehow Danny not only goes through the, the film screen, with all of his clothes on, but apparently metal keys can go through the film screen, too. I, I don't get... out And the same thing, you can come out of the film screen with handguns. N- none of it makes sense. That's science. This is magic. Come that, on. That, okay, that's true. <laughs> that's, that's, you, you got me there. The,
0: the the Terminator time travel device is science. Let's not be silly. Let's not get that, too pedantic about... Uh,
1: fair our, enough. Our, our, so magi- effect- our magic tickets. Effectively, you know, we'll kind of burn through. He gets robbed, goes to the police. The police tell him he's supposed to go straight home and the time lapse doesn't make a lot of sense because I'm pretty sure when Danny looks at the clock to go out when the robber is just walking up and down his hall, it's 11-something, and somehow he gets himself unlocked. First of all, he's robbed. I don't know how long that takes. He gets himself unlocked. Well, Those- I don't know.
0: I don't know if the robber takes anything. He's upset they have no they have no Nothing TV, of value. No VCR. He's upset yeah. they don't have a VCR. It's yeah, 1993. That, 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 yeah. i'm glad you have that in your notes that's on my notes too no vcr what what do people have laser
1: discs now like yes
0: how much do vcrs cost i'm not sure that
1: he was the street value on that hot vcr was going to be that great (laughs) so you you effectively get he gets robbed but the time doesn't make sense to me because it's something after 11 but in all that time he gets robbed however long that takes he gets himself out goes down to the police station files a police report the police call his mom and somehow he makes it for the midnight, you know, screening. And Nick may have delayed the yeah, screening a
0: bit. I get the impression that he doesn't get there until like 2 or 3 and Nick was okay, waiting maybe. the
1: whole time. I, I, just, I always kind of had an issue with the, the timing, but again, Nick may have just waited for him because they were friends. That, that's fair enough.
0: That's the impression I get.
1: So well, effectively, fast forward, we're now in, in the theater and, the, and, and Nick has got uh, a song and dance to do, to do for Danny before, before screening of the, the movie.
0: Well, b- before, the we, before we get to that, to add to the confusion of the timeline, in the time since that morning when he left the theater and the time when he came back, all the marquees around the theater have changed. Oh, Every I, single one of them. You got me on that.
1: <laughs> I did not realize that. Well,
0: in, in addition to Your Blood or Mine, now it's a double feature with I Want Your Blood. <laughs> so now, it used to be just the one, and now it's wow. the double feature. And then uh, Screaming Mimi is, is, has replaced all of the film noirs, which is a, a, apparently also a real movie.
1: That's very but, interesting. I mean, I could understand it if it wasn't supposed to be like around midnight, because if legitimately, if he was running the print, that movie would open, in my mind, the next day is Friday. And so those theaters might very well be changing theirs over. But the fact that a couple, you know, it's like I, six hours. Yeah, because the theaters aren't going to open, you know, for screenings until much later on Friday, so it do, it doesn't make sense. You're you're absolutely right.
0: Yeah. So yeah. So Nick opens. He's a little upset, but uh, he lets him in, and then uh, he gives him a spiel about how the uh, theater is closing. and I want to play a moment I never noticed until this time, until this this time I watched it. But uh, Nick, I didn't write down the timestamp, so if if this takes too long, I'll just cut it out. Nick talks about how he became a. Uh, uh,
1: in, in show business, if you will.
0: Yeah, and then Danny's reaction. Wait, I'm going to mute while I skip around. Uh, Danny's reaction to that is so awkward. It's like the longest silence. I'm not going to be able to find it. Uh, but regardless, he says, like, yeah, it's, well, I worked my way up to Usher. It's still show business. And then I cut to Danny, and he's just like. <sighs> he just. Has I just this want to see the movie. Yeah. Smile on his face, and he doesn't know what to say. And it's it's like eight seconds long. It's the longest shot. I,
1: I do remember that. And the only other thing I'll note on kind of Nick's thing about the magic ticket, which uh, is one of my The Simpsons lines, "Magic ticket, my ass, McBain," that uh, Chief Wiggum says, which is a great line. The magic ticket. What I find interesting is because uh, I've, I've read a little bit on Houdini. It's interesting that they picked Houdini, and I'm sure it's because he was a well-known magician that probably would have fit the timeline for Nick. Right. But Houdini specifically tried to dispel in his day the idea of not that he was an escape artist; that it wasn't magic. the The whole concept of a magic ticket is the antithesis of what Harry Houdini, um, the performer, really believed in, and would, would does not sync up at all at all. With, with Houdini.
0: It, it's just the screenwriters trying to, like, okay, how do we get him in the movie? Let's say there's a magic ticket. Well, what's the deal with that? Well, Houdini gave it to the yeah. director. You know, it's just, the late, like this, this ticket is nonsense. Yes. It doesn't make sense. Well, the thing that I wrote down, I, I wrote in my notes, because they're talking about, like, he's like, oh, I got this ticket from Harry Houdini, and uh, I've always been afraid to use it, because what if it didn't work? And Danny's uh, uh, like, what if it does work? And, and uh, he's like, what if it did? And I'm sitting here going, like, what are you guys talking about? You don't even know. It's All you know is that it's a, supposedly magic. a magic ticket. Right. What if it works? What works doing what? How? You don't what, even, what does it do? What the hell are you guys talking about?
1: <laughs> like, I mean, I understand they needed a way to get him, Danny into Jack Slater 4. It, unfortunately, it was one of the things that, again, it's not a great movie. It's a good movie because the, the, the device that they chose is sort of lazy and doesn't should, work all that well. You should
0: have just fallen asleep. If you set up like it's 3 in the morning, it's really late. Yeah. And he's Ed already fall asleep and then he wakes up in the movie? Yeah. Why do you need to, a magic thing? Like,
1: there's no reason. I, well, I think that the, the well, the reason is, and getting later to it, is they then wanted, which we think is some of the weaker stuff, is they wanted Benedict and Slater to be in Danny's world. And with him waking up, you can't, you can't have that. You need the magic element to pull. I mean, you could still say it's magic.
0: You could still, You could still
1: do all that. It's dumb. And also,
0: there's another line where Nick says, uh, it's like, the ticket is a mind of its own. It does what it wants to do.
1: How do you what? know?
0: You just said you don't know what it yeah. does. It's just, it's, that's literally just there so that the screenwriters are going like, look, don't worry about it. it has a mind of its own. You know, it'll work when it needs to. When this movie needs it to. And yes. it'll, it won't work when the movie doesn't need it to.
1: So it's a lazy plot device. It's really
0: stupid. Like this, this ticket. And so much of the plot of this movie revolves around this ticket. Who has the ticket? Oh, Benedict's got the ticket. We need to get the ticket back. It's, uh, they needed to figure out a, a better solution. Because yep. it's, it's really bad.
1: So okay, I mean, see, we're we're being fair. We don't love everything about it. There are some things that don't work, but either way, he tears the ticket up, and Danny then proceeds to uh, move in, which Nick probably has one of my favorite lines of asking whether or not if, like, is Jack Slater going to win? Yeah, he's like, is Jack Slater going to save the day? Yeah, there it is. So I mean, something like that. Yeah, Nick got because otherwise, it's kind of a thankless role that he actually has in this movie for for the most part.
0: Yeah. No, you mean Nick? Yeah. Uh, yeah, for the most part. He's just kind of there to, to set things in motion. Yeah. Uh, so then the, the opening credits to Jack Slater 4 start. Yes. They are amazing. Yes, they
1: are. <laughs> and it is where you finally get Columbia Pictures. Yeah, exactly. And then, the,
0: like, every single credit, it, like, burns or explodes. It's like, Columbia Pictures, and then that burns away, and then yes. there's, like, a brick wall. And, and like, it, it destroys, blows. bashes through that. And then there's a concrete wall, and it explodes. Oh, these credits are amazing. Uh, set to to a megadeth song of all things like yes <laughs> this movie by the way i forgot to bring up because there's an alice in chains song earlier and it plays for like 10 seconds and then it immediately goes away you can kind of feel the business happening in this movie i don't know if you want to talk about that since uh, you're more interested in the business side than me but like you can tell like these mo- these songs are only in the movie because someone made a deal somewhere yeah i mean, the I mean alice in chains song the megadeth song it's like where can we put this song okay put put the alice in chains song in the first 15 seconds of the movie and then just it'll just fade out and don't worry about it. It's, it's, the, the songs, some of them are, are great, but some of them are just like... They're sure like bolted it. on.
1: I mean, in some ways, that it, when you get to the premiere out in the real world, you get MC Hammer, which is absolutely fantastic that he is the one who's cutting the, the deal for the soundtrack for Slater 5. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that. We may so, as well talk, we we talk
0: about it now because, like, yeah, it's, again, it's 1993. And MC, later in the movie, MC Hammer corners Jack Slater thinking he's Arnold and goes, the deal's done, right? Jack Slater 5, the soundtrack. It's like, sorry, Hammer, it's 1993. The deal's not done. You're not getting this deal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's 1993. You're
1: barely famous still. Anyway, so yeah, Jack Slater 4 starts. And, and it is an absolutely fantastic opening to a movie. I, I want to see Jack Slater 4. I mean, it is. I, I want more of Jack Slater 4 based on the first minute you get. This movie is, or this scene is pitch perfect
0: a pitch-perfect, like, send-up. It It is a plausible opening scene to an action movie heightened just slightly. It's, yes. It's, they nail it. So we, you and I have always been fans of Charles Dance. Uh, yeah. Ever since this movie, we were way ahead of the curve on Charles Dance.
1: Yeah, and so all I will say is I hadn't seen or read any of the Game of Thrones. So I started watching after Keen had started watching Game of Thrones. And he warned me before the episode where Tywin Lannister makes his um, first appearance. He said, you're going to be really excited about somebody. He didn't tell me the character's name. He didn't have to. About somebody's appearance. It's going to be a new character. And it's pretty early on in, I think, season one of Game of Thrones?
0: It's late in season
1: one. Late in season one. Episode eight or something. And by the way, can I just say, it's such an awesome scene for Charles. He's literally he's like gutting an animal and skinning it. It's just perfect yeah. for any Game of Thrones Thrones fans out there and then you are absolutely right when I saw it I got so ex- all I could think of <laughs> I couldn't even think of Benedict all I could think of it's the henchman with the glass eye and I, I had I think I might have sent you a text or called you immediately I said I've gotten to it I am so glad Charles Dance is in the show I know that they know what they're doing with casting But
0: see like people people love him now and he's really well known f- because of that show Yes but I feel like we were some oh. of the few who were like Oh, my God, that's Charles Dance. He's on Game of Thrones. A- a- but more than anybody else, more than, uh, you know, what's-his-face Ned Stark? Uh, 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 what, Sean this? Bean. Sean Bean, yeah. Yes. Because no. that, that was like, oh, he's obviously the star. It's like, no, Charles Dance is the star of this show.
1: A- absolutely, and, and when I saw him, I mean, look, up until that point, uh, I'm, I'm not a huge you know, fantasy fan, but I do like Game of Thrones. I think it's really well done. What I said is, yeah, there's some, there's some pretty strong actors. There's like some eh, okay ones. But I will tell you, when I got to Tywin Lannister, I didn't know anything about that character. But man, learning more, having watched it... Whoever at HBO, whoever cast, they, they clearly must have seen Last Action Hero and, and other things. I'm not saying Charles Dance hasn't <laughs> done other things. He's done other things. But, but the point is is that he is a great actor. I he mean, is. he is a, 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 a theater-trained stage actor. Fantastic. I almost wonder, like when I watch this, it's like, why did Charles Dance ever accept to do this movie?
0: Well, I'll tell you that you're getting again to my IMDb trivia, but he was apparently at least the fourth option. Wow! I scroll down to my so. Uh, then whoever
1: was casting, they 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 don't know what they're doing. Because... But he is
0: he is great in this movie, and you wouldn't think because it's a comic performance to a certain extent. Yes, and you wouldn't think like, oh, it's just him being a silly uh, like action movie villain. He's giving a great performance in this. It, he's, he's giving he's a great funny, performance. And
1: he's it, scary. Like he's he's threatening. He's really he, good. He's got it all. And what this is what I say actually about why he's so perfect in Game of Thrones is that what you need from. Tywin Lannister, but more importantly, I think, in a villain in a show like that, is that you need them to be believable, but they can't be a cartoon-type villain, which Anthony Quinn in this is kind of the cartoon villain, if you will, in Last Action Hero, which is fine. But in like in his, in his Dance's performance in Game of Thrones, you need somebody that you could see yourself liking or being on their side at some point. Charles Dance does it and Tywin Lannister, he's perfect. Uh, he, he, well, he's, he's much more
0: sympathetic on the show than he is in the books. I've read the books, and he's not... As likable and it 's because of Charles dance
1: and it, what I was going to say though is uh, his interpretation of it that his performance, I think in the show version at least and i don 't know the books, but the show version, because it 's so dour and dark so often to not lose the audience, I think your villains can 't just be you know the the old villains in the pre talky days of like tying tying the 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 woman down to the the railroad tracks right they can 't be the arch villain, there has to be some depth and both is Benedict in this, you're right. He's scary at times. He's, he's funny at times. Uh, he's, yes. he's just, he's a great actor. He's I mean, a great it, actor. It's unbelievable
0: casting. I just want us to take credit for knowing about him. We've, been to- we've loved him for, for years and years yeah, and years, yes. way and, before Game of Thrones.
1: And so what I'll say is I didn't bring them with me, but I have some of the last action hero Mattel action figures, and I will tell you, the first one that I had to have, it wasn't Jack Slater. It wasn't Jack Slater. <laughs> right. It was Benedict. If there was only one I could buy on eBay, it was I had to have Benedict. Yeah, and it's sure. all because of Charles Dance. I don't blame you. So yes,
0: and and to get back to him being the fourth option, according to IMDb, again consider the source. Other, he was the fourth option after Alan Rickman. Makes sense. Understandable with Die Hard and McTiernan. Yeah, and McTiernan had worked with them before. Yeah. Uh, Timothy Dalton. Oh my God. I think that would have been pretty good. It would have been pretty good, but I think I'll stick with Charles Dance. He was only a couple of years off of Bond, so that would have been really strange. Uh, and then the last one you really, you will really like William Atherton. Oh,
1: <laughs> that is fantastic. I don't know if they actually made uh, these people offers. Obviously, IMDb is very vague, but yeah,
0: <laughs> these are people who were considered for for Benedict. What's
1: funny? I mean, you can kind of see some of the similarities in terms of you know those those names a little bit. William but Atherton wouldn't have worked. No, he first,
0: he's, he's American. You can't this character. I can't imagine Benedict, an American Benedict.
1: No, and since the fact that they were look three of the other names on that list are British actors, that clearly was the intention that that's what this character is supposed to be. Yeah, I would assume. Um, Even if he was the fourth option, not not that I dislike any of them, or even Alan Rickman probably would have been good, but I actually think that might have been a distraction. um, In terms of at the time, it's not that far removed from Die Hard. And particularly when you're – now, I guess some people would say, you know what, maybe you want him because you already have Arnold and referencing other action movies. They reference Die Hard in this movie in terms of, you know, you think the guy's dead, but then he shows up at the end.
0: But I think he's –
1: you know, Alan Rickman can be very
0: funny. And I think him doing basically a parody of his character from Die Hard, that could have been good. Yes. But I definitely would not trade, you know – believe me. It was not a downgrade by any stretch of the imagination. no question about it. And the other thing I want to point out is is uh, 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 Anthony Quinn. I never noticed him that much previous viewings, but this time watching it, he's he's really good in this movie
1: too. He's really funny. No, and that's what I said. He's kind of like the cartoon villain in a way, and that he's only there for the comic relief, but on the villain side, if you will. But he is. He's really good. I mean, for the for the purpose, the role that I don't think you needed an Anthony Quinn. It also doesn't necessarily make sense his casting of the Italian mob boss. But well, he's he's
0: his ethnicity is ambiguous yeah, enough that I he, can, guess. he can play whatever.
1: So yeah, uh, they set up this
0: plot of Jack Slater 4, which really doesn't matter. Again, it's a kind of unnecessary. At least in this case, it makes sense because we're seeing the first scene of the movie as opposed to the last scene. But something to do with he's going to make, he's kidnapped Jack Slater's favorite. favorite second cousin
1: in the whole world. In the whole world. In the but whole world. there is a purpose to that because I didn't think, I didn't think about this at first. But what you have to then, because they've, The movies have gotten so... Maybe not ridiculous. I take that as so many people, like his his son, we later find out in this movie, has been killed. There's been so many people that have already been gotten to in the previous Slater movies that they've had to get down to the favorite second cousin because there's almost nothing else that you can go after of Jack Slater's is kind of what I'm taking that as.
0: But again, his son died in the previous movie. I I understand. They killed
1: my second cousin. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Either way So what you you get It is a perfect opening For like a very plausible But just a little bit more Over the top But you get um, The establishment of Benedict Which is great And then you get to Introducing Jack Within the new movie Going up to his second cousin Frank's house, yeah, introduced
0: a, in the most casual way. Yes, he, we saw his the end of the previous movie. He gets this yes. big
1: introduction. Now in this movie, he just pulls up to his car and goes, "Hi guys." He's got bags of groceries. <laughs> right. I mean, mundane task. And you've got placeholders of. I'm I'm assuming they've just aged Riggs and Murtaugh, and they're just now older beat cops, and yeah. they're they're no, they're now walking a beat instead of uh, instead of detectives. Um, but uh, it, just, it just cracks me up that the, his first
0: line in Jack Slater 4 is "Hi guys." Hey He's, guys. He just kind of waves. Uh, Drug so. bust. But yeah, the plot doesn't matter. He's gonna he's gonna convince Jack Slater's second cousin that he's gonna join forces with the Torelli mob, and then something. Who cares?
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not important. And and it's it's a plant of bad information, but it's it's not actually.
0: But here's the thing: we learn later that practice we haven't met yet, but practice is also in. Uh, uh, working what, for... Yeah, working for Anthony Quinn. What's his name? Tony Vivaldi? Vivaldi. Tony yes, Vivaldi, Vivaldi is number one, one. <laughs> which is actually great. That's the moment where I went like, Anthony Quinn, you are... Yeah. He's, 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 he's not
1: mailing it in for it, this one. It's a
0: fun performance. Yes. Everybody knows. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, yeah, so Jack Slater pulls up to his favorite second cousin's house. Yes. I go inside. He's in there. He's beat up. He uh, and Art Carney... Yes. Again, in his final performance. Final performance for Art Carney. Uh, beat up the entire movie. He gets two scenes. In both scenes, he's completely beaten, beat tied up. Yeah. And, <laughs> he has two scenes. He's tied up and beaten. <laughs> Have a good career, Art Carney. This yes. Is, this is your farewell. You're uh, about to be blown up in your house. Although he does, I do like his death, or he just he just gives the information and he goes, hey. "I'm out of here," <laughs> and dies. <laughs> uh. So then, Jack Slater finds a set of cards. Yes. What are these cards? <laughs>
1: They're numbered. I should leaf through them and see what these yes. cards are. They do. They have Slater's name on it, however, so that he does know That's that right. they're for
0: him. They're addressed to him.
1: Yes. So I don't know what would have happened if Riggs and Murtaugh, the placeholders, would have went in first, if they just would have waited for Slater. Yeah, we can't open this. This is
0: addressed to Jack Slater. Yeah, this is like official mail. We can't, we can't open these. Federal offense to open this envelope. Yes. Uh, yeah, so a bomb goes off, which maybe there's no reason to, to really dig into the logic of Jack Slater for. Like, are the cards actually causing the explosion, or is someone just nearby, like, hitting a button? I Who knows? What well, we find out later is that the house blows up, Slater survives, minor wounds, both cops dead. Of course, with two days to retirement. Yes, I'm not prepared for those two cops. One,
1: two. They are both gone.
0: They are both dead. Their body count is at ten.
1: Yes. So, I can't remember, are you counting the puns as well or no?
0: Oh, yeah. Did we miss a pun?
1: Uh, the only one I'm I'm I don't know if one's it, coming up for sure. Yeah, one's coming up. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, we can't forget about
1: that pun. Yeah. Uh, let me let me. Yeah, I don't think we've missed a pun. Okay. We're at ten deaths and one pun, <laughs> which you're right for a PG-13 kid-friendly action movie. Ten in the first. Uh, I can't see the counter, but we're we're probably only 20 minutes into this movie. Yeah. 27. Uh, 27 minutes in, we got to pick up the pace. By the way, we've been,
0: talk, we've been going a long time. And we're only a quarter of the way into the All right. movie, but. Uh, what was your question? Oh yeah, ten and eleven. I think I missed one. My notes say ten and eleven. Okay. So I think I missed one during the, the dreams, the the
1: Hamlet sequence. Yes, there were there were a lot that got wrapped up pretty quickly. There. I'm gonna
0: stop hitting this ding because it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> I thought it would be funny, but no, it's just it's too much of a hassle. Okay, so yeah, so henchmen, or I guess I guess lackeys, not henchmen. We learn yes. the difference later. Uh, they come out of nowhere in like, in like a weird '50s pickup truck. Yes. And
1: a chase starts. The ticket starts to glow. Yes. Danny gets pulled into the movie. He ends up in the back seat. Yeah, some dynamite. Jack is able to fire a pistol and right. re- change the trajectory of dynamite without it exploding, and it winds up in the theater, which is vacant other than Danny is the only one. He o- he's the only one who sees it. The ticket starts working. It explodes. Cut to. Danny's in the movie. And by the way, when they come back out of the theater later, the movie theater has not exploded. It's just it's fine, yes, so what happened to that dinosaur i don't know what happened to that time he maybe seemed to be propelled the popcorn, into the, movie. the popcorn maybe put put the uh put put out the wick
0: but he's seemingly uh, he seemingly got propelled into the movie by the force of the blast yes, so did the thing explode or not well,
1: yeah, what the, we're the, doing in injustice to is this chase sequence is absolutely fantastic well i I'm, I'm just getting to the the pun the, the, punch. Just, the pun is great, but just the fact that that right now there are so many uh, there are just cars on fire that just as he swerves within like 10 feet of them, they explode. I mean, it's fantastic.
0: It reminds me of this. Yes. I'm with no hands. thing that's easy is to practice a lot and never ever get in heavy traffic. Here we go. Oh. He shoots a guy who's holding dynamite. He, he lands in an ice cream truck he explodes. Hits diehard guy because the guy Die diehard in the back of the head. is that guy? Cone of phrase. <laughs> It's so funny to me so many times. So, I used that guy to cone a phrase. That's, uh, pun, that's pun two and three. I'm, it, counting, I'm counting that as two different that puns. That
1: is fair. It is probably... Uh, every time I I watch that sequence, I laugh that... Because what you have to understand, there, for if you've seen it, pay attention. There are intentional continuity errors because the trajectory of the guy who launches in the ice cream truck changes because first he's going like backwards and falling out, but then he actually... His body falls into the front of the ice cream truck in the front windshield, which it's then his body just makes an ice cream truck explode. So I well, believe. he's holding that, dynamite. Okay, but he's going. It's sort of like the JFK, right? He's going backwards, but then somehow he's falling forwards into the windshield. If you go back and watch it, it makes no sense in terms of the physics involved. I, that's intentional. He yeah, yeah, did that intentionally. Right. But then it, of course, explodes, and the only thing that comes out is the. Trajectory of the ice cream cone, which impales somebody in the back of the head, for maybe the greatest pun that Arnold has ever had. Yeah, ice to that guy to cone,
0: of phrase. To cone a, a phrase. It's a phrase. It's a compound pun. Yes, he's he's putting two back to back. Yes, it, it, it's yeah, it's amazing. Uh, chase continues. It goes into the LA River.
1: It yes, ch- very much a uh, a Terminator Two reference, I think, if you will, of getting down into the LA River for that famous chase sequence scene. Not that it hasn't been done in other movies. I mean.
0: That's true. I never even realized that. Yeah,
1: no, I, that, uh, that's what I took it as—is they wanted to to it, make sure he got down in there like in T two to be like a, yeah. It, well,
0: that's the Elia River in Terminator two. I always yeah. assumed that was kind of like just some kinda,
1: kind of kind uh, of
0: no. It, that, se- it seemed too narrow. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not familiar enough. Yeah, with,
1: I'm about ninety nine percent sure because that's been used in a lot of movies. But right. I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure it's not the exact point you know wherever it it came to a point where he launches on the motorcycle, but it's it it yeah it's the same venue, if you will.
0: Is there ever water in that river?
1: <laughs> I've read. Yes, I believe that there is. Okay,
0: it's, it's, again. I've never been to LA, but it's, I always see that thing in movies. Yes, and it's like what is that's. that's I think that's it's there river? just to
1: establish. Hey, we're shooting in LA right now. I
0: guess yeah. It's the only city that has yeah.
1: a weird empty river made of concrete. Yes.
0: Uh, so they get away. They jump out of the rip side of the river in a minivan. They're chasing them in a minivan, which is funny. with a mini
1: gun within the minivan. There's two.
0: There's two. There's one fifties truck. And there's, yeah, a minivan. Oh, yeah, minivan or the minigun. Yes. <laughs> it took me a second just now when you said it. Like, oh,
1: yeah, you're right. That's funny. So the, the minigun and the minivan does not make it. And it, of course, explodes, but it doesn't explode. It explodes midair. So <laughs> it has already exploded even though it hasn't hit the ground yet. Yeah, that one is not justified at all.
0: Yes. The, guy, the, the ice cream truck exploding, at least you can say the guy's holding that away. But that, that minivan makes no sense. But it's intentionally to not make sense because this is supposed right. to be so over the top. It's super over the top. Right. So they drive into a back lot. And Danny notices because the scenery's changed. Yes, I knew, it took me a while. I think when I was a kid and I watched this, I didn't understand that joke. Now it's completely obvious. Like, oh right, now they're on the back lot. Right, the scenery has changed. I understand what he's saying. I remember, I, I remember as a the kid time I, being like, "Yeah, what, I didn't get that either. Yeah, what's he talking about?" Uh, and then they play chicken. Yes, and of course, uh, Danny or uh, Danny. Uh, uh, Jack wins the chicken. I love the shot of the guy going like freaking out like at the last second. It is
1: just gross overacting. <laughs> which is also great though in that sequence is that he crashes into I'm assuming is like a lingerie photo shoot yeah, in LA. Yeah. And for those of if you haven't seen it, it I'm not sure who would buy any of that lingerie, but it it is very much uh it's, a, a parody of LA. I mean, it, it really, really plays up. The absurdity of Los Angeles. Do you
0: think that's why that's there? I just think it's there for gratuitous. Like, let's just push PG 13 as far
1: as. I think it pushes PG 13, but it also because of the ridiculous. When they later in the blockbuster. The the clothing that, like, everybody has that's, like... I mean, it's, like, straight out of the Matrix. I just think it's really trying to be over the top of, oh, action movies wear as skin-tight clothing as, as can be, and L.A. is this really kind of far, far-out place in terms yeah. of fashion. I guess they are... They definitely
0: do comment later, because... Danny's saying, well, "Where are all the everyday women?" It's right. Like, this is a movie. No,
1: this is California.
0: This is California.
1: So yeah, I guess I guess you're right. Yeah.
0: I just I was assume that's it's like why is that scene there? It's just to have women in their in lingerie.
1: I think it's to around. have them in lingerie, but I also think the lingerie because one of it has like rear view mirrors <laughs> yeah, attached it was just to it. To talk it's about just. That. I mean, it's it's like. Like Bond, Bond movie clothes. I just, I think that it was, you know, pushing it even further. It could have just been lingerie, but they went even further because they're trying to poke fun at Hollywood. And like Hollywood fashion designers, yes, exactly. and exactly
0: impractical clothing. That's what I
1: always took it as.
0: Okay. So then, uh, cut to the police station. The police station with the most '90s hip hop you've ever heard. Yes,
1: it's amazing. Uh, Sharon Stone is there. Robert Patrick is there. Which. That, this is like the, the layer upon layer. How, that doesn't make sense to me at this point. Why are they there, right, in their T-1000, and I can't remember Basic Instinct, her, her character's name? Why are they there? I understand why, right. for the movie purposes, it is clever, but in terms of Jack Slayer 4, they, those, those characters can't exist in that movie. It doesn't make any sense. Do you think they're implying that all movies take place in that one reality? In, I don't know if that was the intention, that's, that's a fair interpretation, but the reason that it doesn't – that I then so say if, it doesn't make sense is why is Benedict later in the movie going to all these other movies trying to pull out Dracula? That's He's true. trying to pull out uh, Freddy Krueger, right? I mean if they really all exist in this kind of theoretical movie plane, if you will, whatever dimension that would be. Right. Well, so so it. That would be really disturbing if you think the
0: like somewhere Sophie's choice is happening. Yeah yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's I, I I wonder if it's they're trying to say that like there are always like every time you watch a movie there are things happening off screen that you're not seeing and these are the things. Yeah, I and that 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 is an interesting idea, but maybe I, in Die Hard there's a cartoon cat right off screen they, the whole time. Like they're very John up. for all
1: you know, John McClane had a cartoon cat as a partner right. back in New York and you just didn't know it.
0: Right, exactly. <laughs> Uh, it, it, yeah, all this stuff is very strange. Like, yes.
1: Again, as as a parody of action movies, this is the stuff it's just like, what? This doesn't make any sense on any any level. It doesn't. I just, I've just i always it's, interpreted it, and I, I don't dislike it necessarily, but I've always interpreted it as it's them trying to push the parody, really trying to push on you. Hey, this is not – and this is where I think the lack of communication in maybe the marketing was that – this was not supposed to be a Schwarzenegger action movie, the final product. It was some action, but it was supposed to be a parody of all of his movies and other action movies. So I think they may be in some of these things with the ironic, you know, pairing up of the, the you know, the, right. the, the rabbi mm-hmm. and, you know, the oh. Aryan, you know, Aryan, you know, nation type, I mean... You know, oh, com- is that
0: what he's supposed to be?
1: Yeah, because his, his his last name is like Kraus or something. I mean, he's he's clearly like a German. Oh, I didn't. You know, blonde I didn't, hair, blue eye, p- partner up with the rabbi, who then goes, oh, they. I mean, you've got all these you know kind of comedic pairings right on the partners. That's just trying to push the action cop buddy movie parody <laughs> even further. That
0: those, that's another movie that's happening.
1: Yes, and so what what I'm saying is that all of these pairings, they're they're going out of their way to, yeah, yeah. to, to try and show you, hey, Last Action Hero, this is not supposed to be an action movie. There's some action components to it, but it's supposed to be a parody of all, you know, all these movies, and that's what I don't think got, why it was a flop, I don't think it ever got through what this movie was supposed to be. And yeah, this movie it, was supposed to be poking fun at the genre. Speaking of the cartoon cat, I, I just want to play this clip, and then we'll get
0: back to the actual movie, but this made me laugh. Of all the things, you know, every time I watch this movie, something new makes me laugh, and this is the thing, this is the new thing. So they're talking about the cartoon cat, and Danny, Danny's saying like, "Hey, there's a cartoon cat. Look, he's like, this is a movie." And the chief says something, and then, well, just, let's just watch it. Hello. He'll do it again
1: tomorrow. So what's your point? It's, that cat
2: is one of the best men I got. Yeah. Who
1: is this for? <laughs> it's, it's Arnold going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, he, I mean, he really. He thinks that they, he's a valuable member of the force,
0: but just the way he says it, just, <laughs> Chief goes, "He's a valuable member of the force," and Charles goes, "Yeah." <laughs> it's just, that made me laugh this time.
1: Uh, so we so we meet practice. Yes, John practice how yes. you get to Carnegie Hall, <laughs> <laughs> which is a great actor in himself, F. Murray Abraham. Is he? I think F. Murray Abraham is a pretty good actor.
0: I don't. I don't agree.
1: All right. Well, what he, he's an Oscar winner. Yes, but
0: during my brief time reviewing uh, DVDs. I saw a movie called Blood Monkey, straight to DVD, starring F. Murray Abraham, who needed a paycheck. I mean, I think he always needs a paycheck. What does he ever? He was he is in one great movie,
1: Amadeus. Yes, which he, is referenced in this by the it way. It
0: won eight Oscars, of course, as, as we learned from Danny. Yes, uh, and he, he was one of them. He won. I don't know if it was supporting or if, I guess it must have been lead because that he
1: he has more screen time than I would think so. But regardless, I know he won an Oscar for that. And what did he do since? You may have me there. I may be only remembering the only movie that I've ever seen with him that I really, really liked.
0: And he's he's good in that. He's good in Amadeus, but he's playing kind of an untal- not untalented, but someone who is only moderately talented and who is jealous of. So what you're saying is there some irony there? <laughs> I think it was just good casting of yes. just like let's just cast this guy who is insecure about. I I, I do get that sense from every I mean, it, it, and. I don't know. He's fine in this movie. He's, he's fine bad. in this
1: movie and it does it casting him sets up a great a great joke of not only referencing Amadeus that it won all these Oscars trying to make them understand that this is a movie but oh, killing pretty, Mozart to me that, I just think is is a great joke. That I just pretty, do. That is pretty funny. I don't know. I kill a lot of people.
0: <laughs> yeah, like I said earlier, he's we find out later he's working for the mob. Yes. So why all the trouble of of Jack's cousin whatever. So uh yeah, so they get teamed up. The chief decides...
1: That they should be partners.
0: Which, or no, well first, first they call New York and they find out he doesn't exist. Yes. And then they team them up. Yes. Even in a movie reality, it's like, okay, just having the kid show up and then saying, you're, you're his partner now, like, that's fine. But learning that he doesn't exist and then saying, you're, you're Jack's new partner, that's the leap. <laughs> that even in a movie, it's like, you just learn that there's no record of this person's existence. But here, here's a here. You're, you're a
1: cop now. You're a cop. You're going to work with Jack Slater, who <laughs> we've called in the lieutenant governor to try and stop at previous hostage situations. We're going to part you partner you up with them.
0: Uh, so they go to the movie store or the, the blockbuster, actually specifically, not just a movie store.
1: Yes, talk so, talk, talk about dating in the movie. Uh, Danny is again going to try and prove that this is a movie, and. Uh, I find it interesting. Again, it's 1993. Blockbuster is probably at its peak yeah, when oh, it is crushing the mom and pop video stores. Which fast forward to this this podcast today, and Blockbuster, if it is not out of existence yet, it it's still around. I see it here and there, in all intents and purposes. It is. There's a somewhat ironic that I think, uh, think they they're trying to get. Compete with Netflix and have they have their
0: own streaming thing, but they've tried but failed no, yeah, no miserably. One, no one so uses
1: it. anyway, it, it's it's sort of you know interesting that again it was kind of a product placement product within uh, oh. a, a product you know movie. Big time, uh, and you know Danny they they try a, a couple of different ways of proving that it's a movie in there, including the Sylvester Stallone as the the T eight hundred in Terminator yeah. two.
0: And I like that Arnold says it was his best performance ever. ever. <laughs>
1: Jack Slater movie critic. Yes. Says, I,
0: I like the fact that he went and saw
1: Terminator 2. Yes. I, the, you know, <laughs> Jack- despite all of his really rough and tumble adventures, he still likes a good action movie.
0: But the, I, 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 it made me imagine Jack Slater buying a movie ticket, sitting down, and then watching the entirety of Terminator 2 starring Sylvester Stallone. Like, that's just a funny
1: image. To yes, me. it is. <laughs> was he trying to smoke a cigar while he was there? <laughs> right. And in 93, I don't know, back then you might have still been able to smoke in movie theaters. I can't remember anymore.
0: Eh, probably depend on the theater. Yes. Uh, so
1: he unsuccessfully uh, tries to prove, and, he, and as previously referenced, where are all the ordinary, average, everyday women? Which, by the way, I don't know if you noticed in that scene, not only are there no average, ordinary women... There's nothing but women. They're all attractive and in really skin-tight clothes. You're There's right. no other men in that scene. I mean, right. It is very much, again, it is a parody of an action movie where we got to have as many attractive women as possible. But they're literally, other than Danny Madigan and Jack Slater at a video store, walking outside of the video store, Somebody, a woman's walking their dunk. Dog- there are no men in that scene I, other than those two. I never noticed that. Yep. Well, it's, I mean, it, Again, it's, so many of these things to me are the clues. Hey, this is a parody, right? But I don't think people got it so then um, we're going to proceed to Danny's going to be a detective and, and help Jack solve the case and yeah. go find where the bad guys are. Yeah, that's pretty funny. The yes. bad
0: guys are in there. Yes. Okay, so the Professor Toru Tanaka answers the door. They're looking for the drug dealer of the house.
1: Which is a, a line that's <laughs> one of my favorites that I've used many times. It's really, I, yeah. I love that part of the script.
0: It's really funny. But then followed up by kind of a leaden gag where he goes... He starts to leave, and Danny's like, "Where are you going? I'll be back." You didn't know I was going
1: to say that, did you? Yes. It's like,
0: well, why was he leaving? Like that. They only tried to cram
1: that in there. That was shoehorned at best. Yeah, it's super. It's, it's one awkward. of the
0: funniest moments in the movie, followed by one of the just lead in. Like that doesn't work at all. No. Uh, Benedict shows up. Uh, they have a little exchange. Uh, nothing really. No plot really happens, right? It's just like, oh, let's have Jack meet Benedict. Yeah. There.
1: The only thing that you get is that. Benedict then hears Danny say that he had a different eye. So then Benedict, who actually is a very capable and effective villain, he he realizes he needs to do some more work on this Danny Madigan. So it is it is right. an important scene. One, it has some great comedic moments between Schwarzenegger and, and Dance in terms of the uh the dogs and they're very well trained that they are oh, <laughs> they, they form they, a pyramid. They form a
0: pyramid. That doesn't really work for me. It's well, whatever. silly.
1: It's silly, but again, I think it's trying to really up the the parody. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, there are a few. That's one of
0: those like red flags of just like, hey, people, this is a comedy. Like, yes, yeah, you, you almost need stuff like that just so people understand like, what it's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, this is not an actually an actual movie.
1: But what it does get is that Danny, as he's leaving, gives that key piece of information, which then Benedict realizes that, well, this kid actually knows something. I don't, and I don't know how. So helps to put push push the movie forward. Yeah. So yeah. So. Yeah, like you said, Benedict wants to learn more about
0: Danny Madigan. How does he do that? Because then he shows up at Jack Slater's house in a little
1: bit. He does. He, he says that he needs to find out some more about our little friend.
0: But then he, does, he just shows up at Jack's he house. He
1: somehow just shows up at Slater's house, so right? he doesn't
0: it, actually do that. He, he could have just said, I'll, I'll go to Jack's house well, and Well, maybe them.
1: he called the same phone number in New York, and they had no such number, no such name, and he just decided, I'll just show up at Slater's house.
0: <laughs> so uh, they show up at Jack's house... We know that his ex-wife is not in the movie. And then Jack has a joke. I'm not even going to put it on the pun list, the thing about, what is my elbow wearing thin, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's not even is, a pun. It's, no, it's, that
1: one is not. And does maybe, not count. Maybe Danny's only correct line or good line is, that was a stretch because it absolutely was. Yeah. So we meet Whitney slash Meredith. Slash Bridget Wilson. Bridget Wilson.
0: Uh, who was just a complete vacuum of a character.
1: Yes. N- nothing... She, she is. Uh, other than I think to have somebody else in Jack Slater four, I just don't. I, there like is no other point to the character.
0: Yeah, she doesn't have any plot purpose. She doesn't. It's just kind of. It's it's kind of there just so that uh, Danny can lust after her. It's yes, really, but then that doesn't even have any kind of. That doesn't have a payoff, payoff. either. Yeah, no. There's, there's no reason. For other than being showing
1: her. As being much like Dad in terms of her just destroying that one henchman uh, inside inside the house. Other than that, there's like no point to her. That's true. She kills one guy. Yes. Uh, she gives him a pretty
0: savage beating. That's true. <laughs> but even then, like it's supposed to be like, oh, she's screaming. She's trying to pretend like she's a damsel, but she's beaten. But even that, she doesn't. No, it doesn't really. It's
1: work. it's not a great character, but whatever. It is. It kind of is what it is. So Jack kind of gets moody and leaves. I forget why. Ultimately, it's because he, Dan, he's reminded of the son. Oh, right. He where, this is where we finally get the rest of the out of focus of the end of Jack Slater 3. We find out that the Ripper pulled yes. Jack's son off the roof. He falls with a shot very close to Die Hard in terms
0: of falling. My, my notes say this is body count 19 and 20, Ripper okay. and his son. I yes. think we missed a few. I don't know what happened there. I'm really failing at the... got. I, I, I need to organize my notes better because nope. we're simultaneously going... F- too fast and not fast enough. Yeah, so then Benedict shows up. They think it's skeezy. Yes. But it's not. It's Benedict. And he shows up with a bunch of guys, including one guy who looks like Jose Canseco. Got and you? then
1: they establish somewhere in there that the one guy has, you know, stone hands and can't catch anything. <laughs> yeah, of I course like, that works out perfectly. But, I do like that. Yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's, it's over the top in terms of establishing things, but. It's a one-scene running gag. Yes. It's a
0: running gag that lasts for like a minute and a half. Yes. Uh, so,
1: of course, you know, uh, Benedict eventually escapes, but only after Jack shows up and uh, Jack inflicts a lot of carnage yes. on, on the guys, that, uh, the, the, the various bodies that Benedict brought with him.
0: Whitney kills one guy, Jack kills five, so now we're up to body count 26. Yes. And then, oh, then we get our next pun.
1: He's got to catch the red eye. Yes, which is a is a great one. <laughs> is it?
0: I think it is. He's not going. There's no plane involved. He's just. I've got to catch the guy with a red eye. I don't know. It's 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 barely. I I barely I like that
1: one, but whatever.
0: It's it. He, he delivers. He sells the line. He
1: sells it. So then, uh, Danny, Danny is frantically chasing. He's missing the best action. Yes, that that is that, that is a good point that he has. That he is in the movie and he literally would not be seeing it if he didn't catch up to Jack and Benedict. Yeah. Uh, so then he tries to play chicken, Unsuc- well, I guess unsuccessfully. He's he's not killed.
0: <laughs> he's, yeah, he survives. So that's that's his best case scenario is he survives. Yes, but uh, he realizes it's not going to work. And then there's an ET parody for some reason.
1: Yeah, uh, they they do cram some movies in here that don't make a lot of sense in terms of parody slash reference. Yeah, just, that is among them. Just just
0: kitchen sink it. Let's yes. just throw, throw everything, every parody, everything you can in there. Again, we we like this movie, but there's just individual moments are just so bizarre. Yeah, I mean, don't that's make one sense. of them. <laughs> it's like why is that Benedict
1: that? in that sequence does have one that I like that when Jack is just firing away the, the, Danny could not scare him away with his game of chicken but when they're staring down Jack and Jack is unloading his, uh, his hand cannon that turns the car around they're not going to just keep driving even though they could they turn around and go back up the other way and Benedict says next time get thicker armor like a tank right. is, is one of my favorite Charles Dance lines in the movie yeah so Charles
0: Dance he escapes with the ticket the ticket, and he, took, he le-
1: leaves behind a, a surprise for uh, Oh yes, for the okay, investigating for officers. Vengeance is, it's got words. <laughs> and then, of course, place blows up. You cut to, I don't know if this gets added to the body count, if all those cops are dead or what. I assume everyone survives because Jack and Danny survived. Yes, Jack and Danny survived. They're a little worse for wear. They left a cartoon
0: bomb. They didn't leave a real bomb. Yeah, <laughs> they left one of the Wiley e. Coyote bombs. But before that happens, before the house blows up, I want to speculate about the word that Danny wrote on the card. Oh, again, we've we've agreed we're not going to curse on the podcast. Yes. But how how? Let's just how filthy? What did he? Like, how bad is it? Is it oh, a simple? Single, I think it's full, single curse. Or I think it, it's a
1: single curse and it starts with an F and ends okay. in a K. That's all. You think? That's what I think it is. You don't think Danny's getting creative about it? He's no, just, I I think he's trying to be. I I've never watched to see his you know hand. No. Hand motion to see. Well, his hands you can... are gross. You don't want to look at them. Okay, it's so fair disgusting. enough. <laughs> so I, I think it's, it starts with an F and ends in a K. And I, I think he's, because that would be the one that you, at the time, and I don't even know if today you can get a PG-13 if you, if you drop that one. You get one. Oh, do you?
0: You're allowed one. It, it has to be, it can't be in reference to a sexual act. Okay. But that, that's, I think the chief may drop one later in the movie. An F-bomb? It's in one of those rants that. Oh, uh, that you can't understand? It's really hard to hear. Yeah. So then we see Benedict at his house, and I want to point out, he has a picture of Santa Claus. When he's taking things out of his pockets, the ticket's in there,
1: obviously. It's it's part of the plot.
0: I don't know—is this Benedict's house or is this?
1: uh, No, I assume that this is the the Vivaldi's. Vivaldi's house, and so he's just got—he's like got a little room. Yeah, he's got a room. He's he's, a hired hand, and he's he's, he's got a wing. Well, he's, I got never, a,
0: he's got like the zodiac stuff. We're, we're playing yep. clip fifty-eight. And it looked like 18.
1: he has a uh, a moose too. So it's establishing that he really is a great hunter. That he's got a uh, taxidermy of oh, a moose. I didn't head. see
0: the moose and a lot of like weird like, like, like Greek statues and stuff. Uh, he's taking out his eye. I want to see the, I just, He he has a photograph of Santa Claus. I thought it was right away. Yeah, he does have a bunch oh, of... Oh, yeah, look at rifles, all the hunting yeah. stuff. Again. So you're
1: establishing that he really is a uh, a marksman.
0: Yeah, and he keeps his eyes on spoons.
1: Yes, that, that never made sense to me why the eyes are on spoons.
0: I don't know. It's a nice... It's a, It's kind of a...
1: Interesting touch. yeah. They do by the thing. way, those four eyes that we are watching right now, I had the chance to, to buy those in an auction, and I failed to, and I'm still, to this day, upset that I did not purchase those. Yeah, I forget. Did you go, get outbid, or did you... I like, failed to bid. Let's just not even go there, because I really would like to have those. <laughs> okay. I have <laughs> not seen this Santa Claus, by the way. So, I, Oh, yes, you're right. He does. He has a picture. I don't know if it's supposed to be like him sitting on Santa's lap like 40 years ago, or Maybe. what?
0: Yeah, it's fifty nine oh six if you want to find it. But it's, he's got some money in his pocket. He's got some kind of a card. It looks like a
1: library card. Very and then, interesting.
0: And then a picture of Santa Claus. I never
1: noticed that. And, then the, and t- then the ticket, obviously. But if you're watching at that frame, those that case of glass eyes. Sadly, I could have, probably could have won with a pretty low bid and did not. I'm yeah. still to this day upset about that. That is an awesome prop.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, so right I now
1: Benedict I, is discovering there's something to this ticket. Yes,
0: he's learning the nature of a, like. He doesn't quite go through, though. That's the thing. No. He, he sticks his hand through a wall and goes like, oh, interesting. But you'd think he'd want to like poke his head through or yeah. something. So I don't know. if
1: like, It's not clear if he understands really what's going on or what. But, but the audi- I think this is more for the audience that, ooh, the bad guy has the ticket. And the ticket works for him, right. not just for Danny. It does what it wants. <laughs> exactly. Somehow Nick knew that even though he had never actually activated the
0: ticket. Yeah, so we skip that scene, and then so, so then the the house explodes, and all that happens. Yes, and they're back in the boss's office, and the boss is angry, and his ears are smoking. Yes, which is another
1: cartoon touch. Cartoon really, really putting in your face at this point. Hey, this is a comedy. This is not a pure action movie.
0: Right. And then we get a weird scene where Jack has an apartment off of the freeway. Yes, and he's. I guess I, he's the, the chief has taken his badge. Is that what's happened? Yes,
1: he yeah, see, now he is he is lost and he's not going to get it back. And Jack is sad. They they
0: feel the need to have Jack go through this like emotional arc of just like oh I'm not a cop I can't
1: and it lasts for 30 seconds.
0: Yes, he shoots a guy in a in a closet which is another uh, body count 27.
1: Uh, there's always a guy in there. There always is. I and do love that the guy in the screen a... door, by the way, has like. He's completely covered in black. He has a rope. I don't understand, if, but it's a rope that it looks like it would be to scale a building. Not that it was just like the rope to try and, you know, like strangle Jack. It's it's very... Right, it's like it, so thick it yes. can never strangle someone. Exactly, it makes no sense, but yeah. whatever.
0: Uh, so then Jack's upset and Danny tries to cheer him up and he says, you can't die until the grosses go down, which I know is... A line that uh, you enjoy quoting. Yes, I do very much. You're, you're constantly quoting that line, so I, I had to at least uh, mention it. Thank you. And then... Uh, oh, there's a weird transition. What is it? He, he like, Danny says something like completely having nothing to do with anything, and Jack's just like, what? And then suddenly they're driving, and he's like, I know what's going to happen. He's going to bomb Leo the fart <laughs> far yeah, funeral. It, it's, it's, it, it makes no sense how they get from point A to point B.
1: Point A to point B, which I, is, oh, there's going to be an explosion...
0: Oh, right. He's like, there haven't been enough explosions, explosions in this movie.
1: Yes. And then Jack's like, and then you just say? And then all of a sudden he realizes, oh, he's going to put a bomb. No, 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 The explosion of the conversation happens in the
0: movie. I, I'm here. I'll just play it. I don't want to play too many yeah, clips, yeah. but let's just. Whatever you say.
1: Jack, it's a
0: funeral for a guy named Ford. Hello? Funeral?
2: Check this out.
1: So, yeah. How does that? How does a funeral make him realize that? Does that mean because there's people that are going to die? I mean, I I, I don't get the transition either. It seems like
0: they changed Danny's line at some point. Could be. It doesn't make any sense. So they're driving hilariously cars are crashing around him. Yes. But he's not driving crazily.
1: Again, that's some of why I love it is that I don't know how you couldn't know what this movie's supposed to be. Because, yes, he's not swerving, but all the other cars are swerving. and get, they, They're not exploding, at least, right. but they're swerving and getting into accidents. The movie's acting as if he's this wild man
0: on the on yes, the Yes, despite road. the fact he's calmly driving down the freeway. <laughs> right, and just having a conversation. Yes. Uh, so we learn that Benedict killed Leo the Fart. Yes. And then there was also a... a uh, nerve Gas. Yeah, nerve Gas. So he puts two and two together. the uh, Leo, Leo the Fart's going to pass gas one last time. Which is a great line. It is. Uh, Leo the Fart technically a body so 28 yes <laughs> he was killed during the course of this movie even though we don't see it happen uh, so yeah this funeral scene is amazing yes. I love this funeral scene the so funeral much. scene to me this is you, you, I, I, I love the Hamlet scene also but to me this is my favorite scene in this movie it's once, once he, once he uh, oops. didn't mean for the sound to be on uh, once, once Arnold grabs the body it everything every line he says Everything he says makes me laugh. It is it is a great sequence. Um, oh, but pra- all this practice stuff happens first. I forgot about that. Yes, and so- it shows how little it matters because this whole stuff about him turning on Jack and it's this scene is so unnecessary. Yes, like all they need to do is get up to the the top, the top, and have that scene. You, if, you if you're cutting delaying. stuff, you
1: can cut that out. But it does get the cartoon cat back in for yeah. uh, for another cameo. Yeah. So yeah, Jack. They go up to the funeral and. Uh, Jack goes up to pay his respects. Where everyone up there is ensconced in black, except for Jack, who of course has <laughs> his jeans. uniform, but he puts on a hat, so that's how he's able to blend in. Nobody his... recognizes the most famous cop in L.A. That's his disguise? Is yes, that hat. the hat is his disguise.
0: I don't know, because I, I get the sense that that hat is like a trademark Jack Slater hat. Because I think, I think when we go to the real world, all the posters and like that giant inflatable Jack Slater we see later... I think it, okay. they all have him wearing that hat, so I okay, wonder maybe. if it's like, okay, now it's, now it's time to get serious Jack Slater's putting on his trademark hat.
1: I, I've always just taken it as that that's, that's how little that they put into the thought of his disguise. Or that's how, you know, the villains are so dumb that they're easily fooled by Jack Slater. All he has to do is put on a hat, and they can't right. recognize Jack Slater. Right. So, let's, so so Slater,
0: he pushes his way up to the front. Yes. And here's, here's what happens. He's a good
2: man. A flash.
0: And <laughs> the guy just looks at him and wants Yes, to in disgust. Wait, wait, here he comes. Can you hear this?
2: Help me! Get me out of here!
1: <laughs> My God! This man's not dead! <laughs> That's amazing. There's a nun. I mean, some of the... the I mean, it's fantastic, the people in the, the funeral.
0: But his, Arnold's performance in this is so funny. Him doing that little voice. This man is not dead! It's just everything Everything about this scene makes me laugh. He's pushing nuns out of the way. I'm a doctor.
2: What? You a doctor? Yes. Uh... Check his chin. <laughs>
0: he hits the guy with the corpse. Yes. doctor has fainted. The doctor has fainted. Doctor is in fainted I think the
1: corpse.
0: I mean, the, the patient.
2: Look <laughs> elephant.
1: <laughs> <laughs> look elephant. And then the amount of and then, firepower. And they, all, and they
0: all look. Yes, too. they
1: all look. And then the amount of firepower. Oh, yeah. Is no, just everyone fantastic. has a gun. All the nuns have guns. Nuns have guns. The mm-hmm. nuns, puns, and guns. And the, and, the, and the ladies in wheelchairs are heavily armed. Oh, really, I didn't know. Yes, the, the wheel. If you if you play it, if you keep playing, even with the sound is down, there will be a woman in a wheelchair. She is very well armed. All right, I
0: I keep the clip going if we had more time. But I love when he gets to the edge of it and goes, "Don't shoot!" And he throws the yes. It's, it's so funny. This scene is hilarious. Like it's it's to me, it's the funniest scene in the movie. Uh, so yeah, he says, "Don't shoot." The body goes, but the body is filled with nerve gas. Yes. And then uh, he puts it on a crane. Danny somehow knows how to drive this crane. He's figured it out through trial and error <laughs> since he's scared everybody away. I guess. Uh, and then uh, there's an action sequence with a helicopter.
1: Yes, which and, the elevator goes down, and you've got another diehard shot with Jack falling, very much like Alan Rickman as Hans Gruber falling and letting a piece of the uh, the elevator go down with him. Yeah.
0: Well, there's a first shot of him falling that's actually a really cool shot where he, land, he lands on the elevator. Yes. That's a really good shot. It is. It, it is. That, it's, it, and if you watch it really closely, they do a, they do a really good job. Like, it's a stuntman falling. He lands in the elevator, and then they cut, and they disguise the cut with, like, that glass breaking. And then yes. Arnold slides down, and you get a close-up of Arnold. It's a really good, it a is. good and stunt shot. Th- that is not CGI. Those are real action yeah, real Yeah, real action. jump sequence. onto this elevator, and then yep. they, they cut the camera, and they put
1: Arnold up there, and he slid down the rest of the way.
0: Yes. It's a great shot.
1: Uh, so then the helicopter eventually, you know, Danny takes care of the helicopter and uh, Arnold falls. Helicopter
0: it, kills 10 guys by my count because he ducks and there's like the helicopter just shoots a bunch of henchmen. Yep. And then da- uh, Jack. The two guys in the, yes, the the helicopter. Two guys in the helicopter. So we're up to 41 now. I forgot practice. Practice is part of that. He's, yes. He's, he's in the body count. Uh, yeah. And then Jack falls and uh, Danny catches him. They drop the body into the La Brea Tar Pits.
1: Which does not stick
0: to, Jack, stick to Jack. Which is a great
1: joke that I love, and the fact that Whitney just shows up, uh, and and has the towel and every and a change of clothes ready, but then that the, the tart does not stick to him.
0: This is, I mean, that's that's when the movie is at its best. It's like very self-aware. Just like, uh, of course, of course she did. Like, yes, yeah. That's that's exactly what needs to happen there. Uh, and then we see Benedict back at Vivaldi's place. Yeah, Vivaldi it's a- wants to know. He goes, "How did it went?" Just, I don't know why I never noticed that before. And he lies for a minute, and then he goes, "No, it was a complete disaster." Blah blah blah. Yes, and and another add another to the uh, body count in Vivaldi. Yes, he kills Vivaldi. We never talked about Vivaldi's like mis misspoken like turns of phrase or whatever.
1: Yes, he that's does the three sixty. The running 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 joke yeah. uh, within it that Benedict is. I, I'm not sure if that's supposed to be uh, making fun of it being Vivaldi's second language, or the fact that because Benedict is British, if it's sort of a play on. Uh, You know, the British always having things, the English, the command of the English language (laughs) better than Americans. He's not speaking the proper Queens. Exactly. Queens English, if you will. I've never known which that joke is supposed to be, but either way. um, It's not that funny, which is probably why we forgot about it, but it's it's
0: him him always getting things, expressions wrong.
1: But Tony Vivaldi is no, he is not number one and he
0: is no more. (laughs) That's right. And then Benedict starts talking to the camera, which is really weird. He starts going, like, ah, if Danny, if that boy can yes. use the ticket, so can I. And he's all, a all of a sudden, moment. yes, it
1: becomes a very Ferris Bueller's day off where he's talking to the camera and to the audience.
0: And it doesn't happen before or since. No.
1: No other character does it. It's, nope.
0: it's a really weird moment where, okay, he understands that he's in a movie now. But he understands where the camera is. He he just decides he's going to start talking to the audience. It's really, really
1: yeah, unless it's supposed to be like the you know the arch villain who you know has soliloquies right, and he, he's always pontificating. Other than that, it, if he really is supposed to be addressing the audience, it does not make any sense. Why why that's the case?
0: Yeah, but it's, I I don't dislike it because no. Charles, Charles Dance is so great.
1: Yeah, i I'd, I'd give him more lines
0: all day. And, and he has a line saying, "If God was a villain, he'd be me." Yes. Which makes no sense, but you buy it because it's Charles Dance. Yeah, he's great. And then uh, Jack and Danny show up
1: in a monster truck. Oh, in Whitney's, Whitney's monster, monster, truck. monster truck.
0: I forgot that she pulled up in a monster truck.
1: Yes, destroy the house. Yet another, some more destruction in Jack Slater Four. Yeah. So why didn't she come along? Uh, it's her truck. It is her truck. I don't. And I don't know how does she get home. I mean, where <laughs> right. This is pre Uber, so you know. I guess. And in, I, I'm not sure. Maybe maybe Jack maybe left she her. went not got Jack's car, which is still left that he uh left by the office building I'm no the sure. helicopter landed on it oh that's right. I forgot she that 's right he needs the truck the heli- because the helicopter landed on his car yeah so i don 't know
0: how Whitney gets home uh, maybe like Jack leaves her behind to like clean up the mess, like deal with the paperwork yeah
1: even though she 's not a cop, she can deal with the paperwork well if Danny could be a cop, she could do it. Uh, or maybe the cartoon cat gave her a ride. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there will be plenty of cops there soon, so yes. I'm sure that she'll be fine. And that's, we never see her again. No, so that's the end of Bridget Wilson and Mer- Meredith. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Uh, so Arnold throws Charles Dance into the real world. Into Professor. That's right.
1: Into the movie. Into the real world. So <laughs> two th- villains make it through.
0: Does Professor Toru Tanaka, does his character get a name, do you know, or it's
1: probably it's just Butler? It may be in the credits, but you, you never hear his name, Yeah, I no. don't think he ever gets a name. Uh, so they
0: chase them out into the theater, out into the real world. Yes. Arnold shoots at a cab that they've commandeered, and he's surprised that it doesn't explode.
1: Yes, he is surprised that it doesn't explode. Then a little bit later, he's punching a window uh, for an 89 Mercury Sable. Right. Uh, which he's able to start and then he realizes it really hurts because it's, as Danny had try, is trying to explain it in the real world, you you can't smash a car window with your bare hand without it hurting. Yeah. That basically things are different. Uh, and you get to the chicken sequence, which I actually kind of like in the in the real world. And I think the, it, it works pretty well. And this is kind of the thing I was talking about
0: earlier where I was not giving the real world sequences enough credit because yeah, it, it does. It's a really nice shot where he makes, first of all, he makes Danny get out which he didn't do in the movie. Right. Which... Maybe just because he understands that things are not the same here, but it's still, it's you know, it's interesting that before they made he made that make choice. Him get out. Yeah. 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 Uh, but unlike the last time, where like it's a really like action-y shot, you just see the cars crashing in, into each other
1: from really far away. It's
0: just all done in one shot. And yep. It's very, one, done, and done in a very realistic. way.
1: Realistic. They they crash, and you're still in the point of view like from behind Danny and run. I think the camera runs and moves up quickly with Danny as Danny's going to check on. Yeah. Yeah. Jack.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's what I mean. Like, that works well because they completely sell that it's a real crash and it's a th- yes. real world. Like, the cinematography changes. Everything changes. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's really well done. The Jack gets out. He's injured, but
1: as we all know. 89 Mercury Sable had a standard driver's <laughs> side airbag. <laughs> what about a checkered te- cab? No standard driver's side airbag. Oh, I, I see. It does not explain, however, how if the ticket worked again and Benedict got out at the last second, why, you know, why is Professor Tanaka dead, and uh, Benedict isn't? But whatever, yeah, the ticket does what it wants. Does what it wants. Again, it is a bad device. But Benedict is gone, and so now they're concerned, like what happened to Benedict? Right. He's got the ticket. Jack's stuck in the real yep. world. Uh, the is body count number forty-three.
0: <laughs> and then they see a billboard for it says Jack Slater or Schwarzenegger is Arnold Schwarzenegger is Jack Slater. Right. And Jack needs a place to sit down. They go to Nick's. The uh, projection room which by the way I didn't mention earlier is like the most lavish projection room it is pretty big I've never been a projectionist but I imagine those they're rooms, tiny rooms yeah are not the giant he's got like a lazy boy in there and all yes. kinds of stuff uh, it's amazing uh, he, Nick learns that the ticket worked he's not as amazed as I think he should be no he's just
1: like oh really oh okay that's interesting. No, and he starts listing off, um, you know, famous actresses. That it sounds like he he thinks he's going to go and be able to put the moves on.
0: Yeah, it's, I, <laughs> I like that. He's just like all all like these classic 30s starlets, He's yes. just going to like. I'm going to get lucky in these movies. Yeah, really. and
1: I, which it's like, Nick, you realize that you're still yourself. You're a broken down old man. <laughs> it doesn't change who you are, but he hasn't put that much together. But then yeah, he's, uh, he's, Danny lets him know that you know, Benedict came through as well. And,
0: um, yeah, and he says, Oh, the henchman with the glass eye, which I like that he was watching the movie. Yes. It?
1: At some point, he fell asleep at some point. Yes, and didn't realize that Danny was in the movie. He he must <laughs> right. have only seen like the first five minutes of the movie. Apparently, do
0: you think that's what, how it works? Do you think like the movie kept going in the the theater? Like
1: I think, I mean, I think so that it kept going and Danny was in it, right? Yeah, and he, Nick must have fallen asleep at the right time <laughs> right. to not notice that Danny was up on, in the in the movie,
0: pretty early in the movie, and then the, yes. the, the dynamite didn't wake him up. Like, nope, no, none of not. that. That <laughs> yeah, woke a, him up. He's a very heavy sleeper. Yes. So Danny takes uh, Jack home. By the way, more now again different marquees on the. Movie theater. Oh, outside. I did not that I did not realize that. Uh, it says Head Crusher and then Bloodthirst and Hot Blood. Interesting. So in the two hours that the movie's been running, they've changed the movies yet again on the neighboring theaters. Uh, and Then we see Benedict walking around the real world. He's appalled by a prostitute.
1: Yes. I actually, and this is some other stuff. One I think Charles Dance is, is great yeah. uh, in. And I think it's some more stuff that works in terms of kind of the contrast. But making—you know, for a movie, I do think it's pretty believable. I think it maybe it's a little bit over the top, but it makes, you know, kind of street violence and being not—you know, it's not arch criminals, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of basic, basic things in, in the quote-unquote real world sometimes people commit crimes over. Yeah. And so I, I felt—I think that that kind of works, but for this, like, arch villain, right, in the world he's coming from, that's kind of shocking, but at the same time, he realizes it's a huge opportunity. Yeah. That if these like street-level guys who are killing people over shoes can succeed, man alive, what can this arch-criminal kind of brought to the real world, what could he really do? It's like
0: weirdly not enough, though. Like, that, that could have been what this movie was about, is fiction versus reality. Yep. But it abandons it pretty quickly.
1: It, like, you're right. It, it's going back to what you've said it doesn't know what it's it wants great, to be.
0: It's a good scene, though. Yes, for but sure.
1: it, I, I do think it is a good scene, which it has one of his lines that you and I love, which is, I just shot somebody <laughs> and I <laughs> did it on, on purpose, purpose. <laughs> which from Charles Dance, it's just even better. He's, he's
0: playing this part so perfectly. Yes. I've just murdered a man and I want to confess. Which hey, is, shut up down there. Yes, the, <laughs> the random guy like three floors up that doesn't want to hear about anything is yeah. great. So the guy who gets killed for his shoes is body in 44 and then Benedict's experiment is 45. Yes, so then Danny wakes up the next morning, and Arnold and his mom
1: are chatting. And if Jack, not Arnold, yeah, but whatever, right, Jack right, has right. been, they've been... Sp- we, we need to start making that distinction. Yes, spending the entire night talking and listening to music, do you think Mozart
0: that's, music, no less. Do you think they only talked? He says later that, oh, we just talked and never talked to a woman before. I think, no, I think she's, she's acting... The way she's, she's behaving,
1: she's interested, but no, I, 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 no, I, I think it was just talking. They've been listening to a lot of Mozart music.
0: No, um, I, she, she had a line. Hold on, let me find, let me find a line. Oh, Danny says, "Mom, you turned him into a wimp," and he goes, and she goes, "Oh, I think not."
1: And it's, I really, I, I think uh, something may have happened oh, while Danny was asleep. Maybe. If so, then that, then her parenting skills, they're, they're very suspect. <laughs> just he's in the next room. I yeah. mean, it's. It, it, I don't know,
0: I'm not going to find the clip, but it's her saying that. I'm just like, mm, really? I, I think something.
1: You think there was she's, something going she's on? She's
0: acting, I think at the very least, Mercedes Mercedes Rule as an actress thinks that happened. She's playing the scene as if okay. this has happened. I think so. So then uh, they go up to the top of the Empire State Building or something, or the Chrysler Building, I don't know yep. what. For no reason. He's just like, I've never been any place real before. It's like, okay, why this place? Yes,
1: so they choose that, and then he's, they're... Danny is trying to implore why they need to find Benedict.
0: Yes. Then we see Benedict with a mystery person, and Benedict gives the fourth pun in this movie. He actually apologizes for the pun. He says, until Jack Slater is, forgive the pun, taken out of the picture. Pun number four. Well played. And uh, I forgive him for that pun. He asks us to forgive him, and I forgive him. Yes. Uh, And we find out it's a ripper he's
1: talking to. And I like been pulled from Jack Slater three, yeah, which I've always been confused where. How did Benedict find a running? But I guess maybe he went to a blockbuster and maybe it works that way. Well, but, Dan, Danny was watching it in the theater. Not, I guess you're right. Not yeah. one Yeah, I guess Nick was running it, so maybe somebody else is running it leading up to Jack Slater four. Right. Fair enough. Uh, yes,
0: yeah, so I like the fact that he's like his real name, believe it or not, is he's Arnold not Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger. And he shows him a, a newspaper of like a, it's like all the the movie ads and he's crossed off arnold's name like yes. I'll, I'll take you out <laughs> he's just, just like really like angrily crossed out his name so they're gonna kill arnold uh, at the movie premiere the jack slater that, yeah right premiere.
1: that now becomes the the device of how he, they can solve their problem and get rid of jack slater yeah and then which is interesting though because if benedict really is that smart then he should be very wary of what happens to charles dance right well,
0: that's the weird thing is nobody else gets to be real. I guess Tom Noonan also appears yeah. as himself, right? But nobody else. Yeah, like where's Charles? And nobody else is in that at that premiere. The premiere, right? Charles it's Dance Maria
1: Shriver. You're right. Isn't and there that, apparently Anthony Quinn? None of those. That's interesting and doesn't really make sense. But for it to work in terms of Benedict's plan, those guys couldn't be there because he could be Benedict could be in danger. Yeah, but that's what they should have done. It would have been more interesting. You know, it would have been one of those things you wouldn't. It wouldn't even
0: occur to you. And then if some if Jack Slater found Charles Dance, right, and like, oh, I'll turn the tables or whatever. Like, you know, it would have, could have been a cool thing to do. I wonder why they didn't do it. Actually, Charles Dance, Benedict, and Charles Dance, neither one of them is at that premiere, so I wonder if just Charles Dance wasn't available for the shooting. Excuse me. Something,
1: so, yeah. I mean, it winds up only being a Ripper, a Ripper Noonan, you know, Schwarzenegger, Slater scene. Yeah. So but some of it, I think, is because they want to replay the Danny on the roof, just like. You know Slater's son. That's why I think they they just I I think they just wrote Benedict out of that scene entirely for that purpose.
0: Well, he ends up on the roof, but I'm saying at the premiere.
1: Yes, okay. Benedict's not there. Benedict
0: is there plot wise. He's there.
1: Yeah, but Charles
0: Dance is not in the whole scene where they're running around at the premiere. But anyway, before we we need to briefly talk about how they learn about uh, Benedict's plan. Is they see him coming out of the the restaurant or whatever. They chase down the cab. He's gone. Arnold pulls out the guy. Says, "Who's the guy in the back of the cab?" Or no, first he says, uh, you know, all the, the, the movies that says, make my day, blah, blah, blah. Yes. I've got one for you. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Which is a great one. And he goes, ha, you didn't know I was going to say that. So I guess that's why that I'll be back moment was there earlier, but it's, 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 a, it's la- a labor joke
1: at best. It's
0: labor, but it's still funny to see Arnold saying yes. rubber baby buggy bumpers. But
1: in the back of the cab, he's they got find the, paper. the paper, which is highlighting different villains, if you will, yeah. um, from movies that he could go to build his dream team.
0: And they figure out his plan. So, cut to the premiere. There's an amazing four-story inflatable Jack Slater. Yes, I want to put that out back. Like, I, want to, I want that outside <laughs> of my home at all times. I wonder where that is if that still exists. Probably, it's just rubber. Probably deteriorated. But oh my god,
1: it it's would be. Amazing. it would
0: be great to have. It's this giant. It's like all it fills Times Square. It's you know, that yes. building with all the like the advertising. Yes. In times Square. it's it's the size of it. It's enormous. It's amazing. I, I hope that was at the real premiere,
1: too. I think that's some of what I you know got to of the business side of it, kind of ruining things, is it was so much hype for a movie. And that, that went into it. <laughs> yeah. So Arnold arrives in his Hummer, him and Maria
0: Schreiber. uh does some interviews. Little Richard is is there. He's, Another cameo that makes no sense, but okay. The, the cameos in this are amazing. Because uh, uh, is, uh, is it Jack? Or I forget. Somebody runs into both Chevy Chase and Damon Wayans they da- yes. Ch- Chevy Chase and Damon Wayans are just walking to the premiere and I think I think Jack just
1: bowls them over.
0: Yes. And Damon Wayans is wearing uh, was
1: it Blank Man? It was something? I think it was Blank Man. Yes.
0: <laughs> I don't think that movie had even come out yet. It's like a, I'm sure Damon Wayans is like I'll be in the movie, but I've got to wear a Blank Man hat to promote <laughs> Blank Man. I've got to promote this movie. Oh, but it's like such a short shot. So yeah, pun number 5. Ripper shows up to the the premiere as well. They all assume it's Tom Noonan as the Ripper. And some entertainment reporter goes, Oh, it's the Ripper. Let's ask him a question. Oh,
1: yes. That is a pun. Uh,
0: Jim Belushi is not a fan of
1: Arnold, we learned. Yes, another <laughs> cameo. So many of the. Cam- basically, every cameo makes almost no sense and is not an actor I, I wish to see on screen. Yeah, and
0: then John Va- Jean Claude Van Damme would never miss the premiere for a second.
1: Of course not. So we get to learn what all these celebrities think of
0: Jack Slater. Yes. Uh, yeah, so then Arnold and. No, Jack and Danny show up to stop Ripper. And Arnold asks the concession girl where his seats are. And one of these girls... I, I'm going to find this clip as, as short as we are on time. One of the girls... She doesn't have a line. But its I think her reaction is the funniest thing. Like, obviously, they all think it's Arnold.
1: You also, by the way, need to add to the body count because as we're, where we're at, Tom Noonan's uh, agent, sadly, oh, yes. I'm I, assuming doesn't make it. You don't know it, but... You're right. There's a big cut it's, in his coat. I'm guessing he didn't make it.
0: You're right. You're absolutely right. I have it here. It's number forty six. I just I just missed it. I'm trying to uh there's, there's, there's Yep.
1: there's Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase getting bowled over. It's
0: so funny. So he goes to the concession. Here's Ripper. Yeah, he's Ripper. Here's Ripper about to kill uh his Tom agent. Noonan's agent. I shouldn't have gone back. Yeah, Arnold bowls over Chevy Chase. Damon Wayans,
2: Damon you're a
0: Wayans. big not action happy. guy. I mean, what do you think about this? I will never miss the premiere for second. <laughs> Where sitting? Watch the girl in the middle. Where? Where am I sitting?
1: Um, there, right there's there. two balconies.
0: <laughs> huh? What? Huh? The, hey? Uh, hey? hey, what? What's,
1: What's going on? Yeah, the one in the middle, She. It's, it's almost like she's trying to make herself... What is that? What is she doing? I don't know what she's doing, but it's like she's moving to say, Hey, Mom, Dad, look, I'm in this. I'm in this scene. Well, I'm, probably John McTiernan went like, "Look amazed, like, oh my God,
0: it's Arnold Schwarzenegger," and then she just went, "She's just looking around, looking at around. nothing in particular." Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's bad, so weird. Uh, okay, so then yeah, Hammer Acosts Jack about the Jack Slater Five soundtrack. Uh, there's a encounter with the Ripper in the theater. Arnold tackles Jack as Jack pulls out his gun. Uh,
1: this stuff, I don't know. It's, it's it's perfunctory. Yep, it gets you to where you need to go. It does have. A theme that's very, uh, since we're doing the Schwarzenegger movies, a theme that comes up a lot, which is Arnold on screen, multiple times with himself. And you got this time it's Jack Slater. Does it happen a lot? Oh, sure it does. You've you've got a few where it's Arnold and. and Is this
0: and there's the sixth day?
1: What else? How many movies has he done where there's? Well, you now have Terminator Genesis where he's done it. Um, you've got. Do you think this is the real Quaid? You've got oh. two versions of Arnold in Total Recall. That's true. Th- there's a lot of of multiple Arnolds, if you will.
0: That's just a thing that happened a lot in like '90s action movies. <laughs> it may have been, but what I'm saying, Van, Van Dam played like d- doubles and twins yes, and clones I like a million I'm, times. I'm just
1: saying that it's another example and incident, So you've 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 got that in there. So anyway, we got a, we got a, a confrontation on the roof to mirror
0: the beginning of the one from earlier from Jack Slater Three, yeah, yep. and the. Ripper dies from electrocution, even though he's got all rubber clothing on. Yes, <laughs>
1: I never, I never understood that. But and then Ripper says, "I'll be back." Yes. What, the, huh? not, none <laughs> of that sequence. This is lends it to the the real world stuff. This is the portion of it that doesn't make a lot of sense. But Danny's off the roof and hanging, and eventually is saved. Yeah. Well, I think. Uh, Oh, Benedict shows up after this, right, yes, yeah, so
0: he's hanging off the roof, Jack saves him, and then Benedict shows up, yes, and Charles dance is oh this is a great performance I, the part was just
1: I guess I'll tell you the entire plot, and he, just, he he does tell the entire plot from since he's in a tuxedo, I'm assuming actually he was at the premiere, you just don't see him, yeah, maybe,
0: or maybe that just they that was the plan, and then they had to change something, or who knows uh i'm gonna i'm gonna skip there's. There's a moment where Danny saves Jack's life. where He just leaves one chamber empty and yes. shoots him. Let's just- let's just watch it. Gee, did you make a
2: movie mistake? A movie mistake? You forgot to reload the damn gun! No jack. I
0: just left one chamber empty. Yeah, look at him. And it! he shoots Jack. The reason why I wanted to play this clip. He hits hits Danny. Yeah, pretty brutal. Danny starts crying about his arm. But wait. Benedict turns around. He's going to finish off Jack. Watch Danny's... The way Danny attacks Benedict here. See, Jack. This is a good line, too. Bad guys. And weird. But the movie doesn't really follow up on that in any way. That's the problem
1: with it. Watch this. Right here, this shot.
2: (laughs) It's like a
1: cross kick that would make. I actually did not know. I always thought he had picked up something, but I never knew what. But no, you're right. He, it's like a. It's like a
0: flying. It is. Cross it's kick.
1: like Van. It's like Van Damme taught man Danny how to. Uh well, it's like it's like a. It's like
0: it would make Rey Mysterio proud. It's it's like the most. <laughs> yeah, I it,
1: I've never noticed that. Thank you for pointing it out. That makes no sense.
0: <laughs> I only noticed it this time. But it's just like, what did he do? It's it's kind of off camera. You can't really tell yes. what's happening,
1: but. Because I'm sure the doing, actor couldn't do whatever needed to be done.
0: He's doing some kind of flying kick, and then he hits Benedict in the head with his feet. Yes. What, what is he doing? I mean, maybe he like jumped off or something? I don't know. It's bizarre. It uh, is
1: bizarre, but he, he does save the day.
0: Yeah, so anyway, Benedict cho- starts choking Arnold, and then gets hit back. It's not clear what happens. Like This fight is not,
1: it's not clear what's happening at all. It's not clear, and it's unfortunate that the way Benedict... <laughs> It's not a great action sequence, and no. for such a, I think, a, not only just a great actor, a great character. I think Benedict is like a really good bad guy. Yeah, he, and it's he, just not a great ending for him. Yeah, but again, yeah. it goes to the ticket, right? The ticket is everything, and he's effectively destroyed with the ticket. It's too bad he can't come back because no sequel for you. There is no. It, it is a good line for Arnold. I will. I will. I do like no sequel for you. It's, it's pretty good. But at the same time, I'm somewhat heartbroken because I really like Benedict. I want. I want. I want more of Benedict. Yeah, no, 100%. Because in terms of his not, his leaving one chamber empty, that's, that's, like, that's a smart, you know, I know he does the, the typical villain thing of explaining the whole plot, but he then, he's doing it for a reason. He's yeah. making him see, himself seem like that villain that he then has fired off all his shots and he has none left, but he's done it intentionally because it's, he's setting Jack up.
0: It's true. He's deliberately playing into the trope Yes, to to then Jack thinks he he's so accustomed to these sorts of things happening.
1: Jack reacts. He lures in way. Jack out from being hidden where he can get a clean shot because yeah. Benedict is smart enough that in the real world he's not this marksman right that can't ever miss. He's probably realized that in the real world it's actually really hard to sh- hard to shoot people. <laughs> That's true. So he's now drawn Jack out and has a Schwarzenegger a big guy. He's got a big target now. So to me, Benedict is a great villain, and it is in many ways it's too bad that. Again, if anybody's listening, I'd like the Jack Slater movies. I want some more Benedict because I think Benedict was a great villain. But he ends up being done
0: in by a flying cross kick from a child and then <laughs> a ticket not working when he wants it to.
1: He did not go out the way that I would like that villain who have gone out.
0: Yeah, it's disappointing. He's just like,
1: ha ha, I've got the ticket. And then
0: it's like, oh no, it's not working right now. Yes. It's, but, not, it's not an interesting way for him. But me.
1: a bullet to it exp- somehow makes it explode and destroy Benedict. Well, it's his eye, right? Oh, yeah, I forgot that, yes, because... He, exploding, have, he has exploding eyeballs. He has exploding eyeballs. I forgot that that was his backup plan. They do at least establish that, because that, uh, w- earlier when I had watched it, it didn't make any sense to me why did Benedict explode. Now it, it did make sense. He does somewhere in there that he, I have a surprise if the police try and apprehend him. So they do establish it oh. in, in the movie. It, there is a line that Benedict has that establishes that that is an exploding high. I missed that line, but I, it, I think... It's the, in there.
0: The thing that establishes it is... When he's at Jack's house, and then he runs away, and his eye falls out. I remember he gets skeezy. He's like, skeezies, like uh, "Oh, his eye was missing." It was missing. And then the cop finds it. And it
1: yes, and- but no. In, in somewhere in here, Benedict does say that uh, maybe it's when he's explaining to um, to the Ripper. Either he, he, they do establish that he has a surprise for the police if the, if it doesn't work out on the roof. So, okay, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't pick up on that. that so is- then, cut to essentially now, the the villain. All the villains are gone, but. Jack Slater is bleeding to death.
0: Yeah, and then the ticket falls next to one of the nearby theaters where the Seventh, seventh Seal is playing. This stuff. Ian McKellen. It's nice seeing him in this
1: movie as Death. Uh, what doesn't make any sense to me? I actually, I, I like the idea of other, you know, movie characters coming out. But what doesn't make any sense to me is Benedict doesn't. In my my watching, Benedict doesn't have his ability to be a sharpshooter. Jack is not indestructible where nothing hurts but <laughs> death still has his power. Yeah, death why does still... death have his power? Yeah. I and I, I mean I like the I like the joke I guess if you will that he walks by and but why does death have his power? I that has never made sense to me. And again as you said I like Ian McKellen. I like that that's who they picked and they got Ian McKellen to do it. And keep in mind, you know, for maybe younger people that are listening to this, Ian McKellen wasn't a household name when no, no, when this right. movie was made. I mean, he is now, but Ian McKellen was not a household name. From uh, uh, his, his career has completely changed um, in the last ten years. Nobody knew who Ian McKellen was when, when this movie came out.
0: I think the first time I had noticed him was, what was that movie where he played the Nazi, like the old Nazi? Uh, Apt Pupil. Apt Pupil, yeah. That was late after this.
1: Yeah, that was and, like ninety five or ninety six or yeah, something. Yeah, about then. That. that was a Brian Singer movie, actually. The only reason I saw it is because I, oh, I, I do right. like Brian Singer. Yeah, and that was after usual. And Suspects. I think that some of the reason why Brian Singer actually wanted Ian McKellen for X-Men was his, his work with him on App Pupil. But but anyway. Right. So yeah, so Jeff comes and he he's the one who tells Danny that you know, what what Danny needs to do to save Jack Slater. I, all of it just i I I've never felt that it works all that well. Other than the fact I do like Ian McKellen, so I like that he's in this movie. Yeah.
0: I forgot that my body count... And I actually think... I got lazy in my notes, and I stopped counting there, too. So, 45 and 46 are Ripper and uh, Benedict. Yes. And then Death is walking down the street, and he just passes... Gets like, a cop. And a that copy poor cop... Na- a copy and a hot dog. Yes. it's like, you're dead. Yes. <laughs> just, just it was the- his time, apparently. Just
1: for fun. Yes. Uh, yeah, you're right. He shouldn't be able to kill people. I, no. I never thought about that. I've, that I... There are, again, there are many things in this movie that don't make sense. This is just on the list of it. Well, it's it, not necessarily that it makes it a bad movie. I just don't understand why those others lose their power and Death has it other than just to show that oh, Death taps a guy. You yeah. don't even need that.
0: I don't know. Yeah, it's a weird the, thing. It's a weird way to end this movie. This movie just kind of peter's out, which is kind of a yes, shame.
1: Yes. That it it has a weak ending. Both Benedict's ending as a villain is weak and the overall movie ending is weak, unfortunately. Yeah.
0: Well, also it bothers me that Death shows up just to kind of solve the last problem of the movie. Yes. Because the whole thing is just like, we don't have the ticket. I forget what, it exploded? I don't even know. Oh, no, it fell down. It It fell down they lost it. They They lost it, right, because that's how death, death showed up. So they don't have the ticket, and death's just like... Hey, the, the ticket's in the ticket booth dummies. Yes,
1: like, you idiots. The why, other half.
0: That's not satisfying just to have death show up and solve the, the... It's the last problem in the movie for
1: them to solve and then death just kind of gives them the solution. Right, why is it death? Why couldn't it be Nick? I mean... Right. It, 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 for all intents and purposes, Nick Carelli hasn't had much in this movie, and but he was necessary. Give him something. Throw the guy a bone. He's not going to go get to meet Garbo <laughs> right. and try and put the moves on her. So, well, now, but, now, he, now he can. They have the well, I guess the they thing? have the other half, but <laughs> let Nick solve the problem,
0: right? Hey, I was just thinking about it, I was just about to go see Garbo. He's too busy just sitting up in the projection, and... doing oh, nothing. Oh, he's got to run the movie. Remember, he's got to like start the movie. so yeah, we can get it, get... get it moving. But then, yeah, so so they get the other half of the ticket, and Death just wanders away. I do like that the the Death just showed up because he was curious about Jack. Yeah, I... he wasn't on any of my lists. <laughs> Ian McKellen's good. He's he's good in this, but there, there's I
1: don't know. You didn't need Death to have it. It was it was like they just wanted to show. Yes, other than the Slater movies other characters from movies could come out. I, that that yeah. is why it felt like it to me. And I do like their choice in terms of if you were going to do that. I don't think you needed to, but if you were, I think The Seventh Seal and Death was a, a real interesting kind of choice to make. Yeah, and choosing a real movie, it's right. interesting. So, I mean, it's an interesting choice, but I don't, I don't think it's necessary for them to do it because you've already off-screen established Benedict Wint and got right. The Ripper. So I don't think you need to do that. Yeah, there's no real
0: reason for death to show up. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so then they find the ticket, and this time it's working. I guess that half of the ticket works way better.
1: Yeah, and works maybe when you want it to instead of when it wants it to. I don't know.
0: Yeah, so they get Jack back in the movie where it's his it's just a flesh wound. It's just a flesh wound. And uh, I, like the, I like the doctor. It's just like, pfft. <laughs> The way he reacts. Yes. It's like, are you kidding me? I can't believe you called me down here for this. <laughs> right. Uh, and then
1: they, Jack and Danny have a tearful goodbye. Yes which i don't know it doesn't it it's again it doesn't earned. feel like it doesn't feel like jack slater and it doesn't feel like last action hero i it's trying to be too many things yeah and some of the things when it's trying to be too many i like that it went in those directions this one i that it it just doesn't work yeah
0: it's 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 unearned it's right. you don't feel like they have this Emotional connection, emotional relationship. Yeah, no. for sure. It's it's been a buddy comedy like
1: the whole time, right? You know. It, yeah, you wouldn't end a lethal weapon movie like this where. No, it wouldn't be is, like a tearful, you yeah. know, embrace of with Riggs and Murtaugh. It just it doesn't make any sense. Or or even you know, the Die Hard, right? I mean, you do have a little bit of a hug, but it's more of like a you know a, an excited you know survival. It's not ha- heartfelt drama. It's just it's, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And then uh, Jack goes to the captain and
0: smashes his window and then tells him he doesn't want to be violent anymore. Yes. <laughs> make up your mind, Jack. Yes. And that's basically the end. Uh, we never see Danny's mother again. Like, we don't get any kind of wrap-up about his life. The movie, again, like I said, the movie theater is still going on. Slay him for down. demolition. So it's a weird. And then there's a shot of Jack driving away and that's, that's the
1: end. Yes. So I, I agree. The petering out is the best way. The, it does not. It's, the movie starts out outrageously fantastic yeah. ends not well at all some really great stuff in the middle and I think that to, for me like the closing thoughts is what it comes down to is that this is a movie that failed box office wise does not fail as a, as a product or as a movie and that as time has gone by what I notice re-watching it this movie holds up really well And that I can't say that for a lot of movies, particularly action movies, don't hold up really well. I mean, we pointed out some of the things that have gone by the wayside blockbuster, uh, Polaroid, although Polaroid has made a comeback, projection, you know, projectionists, if you will. It's of its time in a lot of ways. It's of its time in a lot of ways, but in terms of like, I don't feel like, oh, I'm watching a nine, even though it was trying to parody 80s and 90s action movies. I still enjoy it today and I think that that you know if, of trying to, to push people to watch it that's the reason I do is I it's still a great parody of action movies even though action movies have changed a little bit in a lot of ways it's a lot more CGI it's not it's you know it's a multicultural team of people that are assembled it's not you know the one guy to save the world yeah. but it still holds up really well and it's still an enjoyable movie well it's what you were saying in the previous episode
0: that I agree 100% it's this movie you know the the kind of ironic take on a subject matter, regardless of what it is. In this case, it's action movies. But now we live in the age of irony. Everything is irony. Everything. And even, like, the most serious things. I mean, whatever. You watch Breaking Bad, you get some scenes that are self-aware or whatever. Uh, You know, now living in the age of irony, you watch back and look at this and go, yeah, this feels like a movie that... The kind of movie that would be made today.
1: Yes. And... Uh, it, it, that's the reason why I think in the for episode zero we said it was ahead of its time. Yeah, it's not I, that it was such a great and well th- you know thought out uh, reflective script. I mean that's not what this kind of movie is. But it was ahead of its time because now the it, you're right. An age was. of irony. It, if this were made today, it would just be kind of. I don't know. It would be par for the course. Nobody would say, What is this movie trying to be? It would be, Oh, yeah, I know what this is. Yeah, the whole idea of like, it's a movie in a movie and
0: there's different layers of reality and, just,
1: you know. It's- it would not be lost today, but today's audience at all. This was just a movie that was made. People weren't either, I won't say they weren't ready for it, but it's not what they were expecting. And so people rejected it. But now, to me, that's the reason I push it to so many people is that. It's an, it's an undiscussed... I don't think it should be a 10 out of 10 on IMDb, but its rating is like a 6.8. It's better than a 6.8. Yeah.
0: And, you know, some movies are greater than the sum of its parts. I don't think this movie is, but but the individual parts are great. Yes. So many scenes, whether it's Hamlet, whether it's the, the funeral, whether it's, uh, you know... Anything with Benedict. I, I definitely came away from this viewing with a higher opinion.
1: Even I've always loved it, but... I was a little down in it last episode, so I regret that because this movie, it holds up. You're right. Yeah, and what it reminded me going back and watching again, and now kind of going through this uh, this episode here, is that Benedict really Benedict and Charles dance. I'm without them. It's sort of like what I've said of Game of Thrones is that Tywin Lannister and getting him right was important. I think what talking about this and talking through, he's a really that's a really great villain and really great casting, and that's why I think it holds up is that. You can't just have the hero. You really need to have a villain that is believable or or interesting. Yeah. And Benedict really is. And I've said on multiple times, I want the Slater movies. I'll tell you what. I, maybe in really thinking it, what I've I've learned in this viewing and discussion, I, I might really want more of Benedict. And I'm kind of disappointed that I don't have that opportunity. You just want to see more Charles Dance and things. That probably what it is. That, yeah, so let me, let me put that asterisk. If Charles Dance is not willing to reprise his role as Benedict, I'm not nearly as interested. Unless maybe Alan Rickman might be interested. Maybe it would be interesting in some ways with Alan Rickman. I don't know. Imagine Alan Rickman as uh, Tywin Lannister, though. Uh, no, so that's that not work. working. So you're right. I, yeah. I, don't want, I want Charles Dance. I don't think that would work. You're right. Uh, so that's, that's Last Action Hero. Did it you... is Last Action Hero, and we, um, we have a, a system for...
0: You want to get into that? Okay, so uh, as far as our next episode, what, what it's going to be. What we decided is, instead of doing it kind of randomly, which is what I was pushing for last episode, but for a lot of reasons, that isn't a great idea, uh, uh, we broke it down. We broke down all of Arnold's movies. There are 32 movies we're going to cover over the course of this podcast. Uh, we broke them down into four cat- or eight categories of four, and then we're basically going to be doing this episode in eight, or this podcast in eight episode blocks, and we're going to choose one movie from each category, so... Uh, should we run through all the movies real fast? Or should we I don't think
1: we need it. I mean, we don't, we don't have to do it necessarily now, but in terms of what this, this one was, this was from big-budget kind of action.
0: Yeah, we're running super long. Otherwise, we'd probably get into more detail. But more or less, yeah, So th- this, th- yeah, this is from the big-budget movies category. and there's, It was this, it was what? It was this, Predator, uh, uh, Total Recall, and True Lies. Yes. So we've taken care of that category for, for this block, so we're not going to do any of those movies anytime soon. But just just a way to kind of mix it up and
1: to cover yeah. the comedies, and then we did a yeah. block for the Terminator movies, so that we weren't doing all the Terminator movies in a row to right. try and break it up, and also give us something a different perspective and a different type of movie to be to be looking at. So so yeah, we need to pick the next movie. Well, I, I think since I was the one
0: pushing to do Last Action Hero first, I think you would feel free. Uh, this, this we may as well just go back and forth and pick. Is that fair enough? Like yeah, let's go back and forth. So it's your it would be your pick this time. So you can't take Predator. You can't. Take you can't pick uh, uh, Total Recall, you can't pick Lies, but any, basically everything else is on the table right now.
1: Th- this one ran really long, and the next one may as well because I'm going to pick one that I thoroughly enjoy as well. I'm going to I'm going to suggest, and I don't remember the category we we named it. I'm going to su- we're going to do the Running Man. Oh, right, because that's, that's low That's budget. low budget. That's, that's low a budget different action. That's category. I was like, wait a minute. We can't. Okay. You're I, right. I, I, I was thinking maybe comedy, but no, I, wa- I want to do. I want to do. I'm going to do low budget action. Let's we're, do the running man. Yeah, that's going to go. We're going to be exhausted. We've got to figure out how to keep the time down. Yeah, well, <laughs> this,
0: we didn't get to a tenth of my notes, let me tell you. Also, I lost track of my body. It was 48? Or no, wait.
1: I thought it was 49.
0: I'm really slacking. Whatever. Go back and post that. We'll, we'll, we'll get update it. next episode with the previous because it's, it's too. I'm exhausted. This has gone on forever. Okay. <laughs> so, okay, that's that's the show. Uh, tune in next time. Uh, we don't have a website yet. We're recording this in September. It probably won't go up for a couple of months because we're going to record a bunch and then put them up. Put them up uh, in a block. That, that way we have a cushion and all that. So uh, we have a website. We haven't built it yet, but uh, you can go to bpamg.com, and uh, something will be there at some point, I'm sure. Uh, and you can, uh, if you want to send an email, uh, you can at questions at BPAMG.com. Uh, we'll probably do an email episode or something. I don't know. It depends on how, whether people are actually listening or not. That's true. If we get like two emails, we're like, don't, we're not going to do an email episode. <laughs> no one's writing in. But we'll see. But if you want to write us in, it's questions at BPAMG.com. Uh, we're on Pitter, Twitter. We're on
1: Pitter. Yeah, that, that's the new, that's the new social I've invented,
0: man, yeah. yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> we need to register that right away, at yes. pitter.com. Uh, it sounds like a thing that It sounds like it will thing. be a thing If it's not a thing uh, Yeah I'm, I'm, this, this, We're almost three hours I'm exhausted uh, Twitter What's our Twitter? We just registered it Bad, Bad Puns Podcast Yes At Bad Puns Podcast Yes uh, So check us out there Anything else? Anything Any closing thoughts? No closing thoughts We'll see you at the next episode <laughs> we Basically We've said so much We have nothing else to say so yeah, tune in next time and uh, we'll see you then.
1: Thanks.